Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning to the fishermen that just set out onto the great Gulf of Mexico. They are heading out in their shrimpers and their pimpers and their blimpers, and they're going to go get some fish. Maybe they're going to get try to get some of that blue crab. Go to Panama City. Go to Stacy's off of Love Lake. You'll get the blue crabs. You'll get the blue crabs and the seafood sauce and the spectaculare and a magical journey because it's Sunday. It's Sunday. Can you believe it? June the 18th, 2023, Boblimp Dock. Almost 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Scompton, Utah. And I'm kind of on some big topics right now in terms of numbers. I have a bunch of topics in this podcast, and if I don't go through them quickly, it could take forever. And I've pondered it like, Dan, you could you could break it up with your smoke, your smoky voice. You could break it up to more than one podcast. Old smoke. I think that's another name for the devil. I just thought about that. Like, you know, I try to remember all the names for the devil. There's Old Nick. I think it's also, they just say Smoke or Mr. Smoke. There's the devil. There's Satan. There's Lucifer. Some people say Morning Star. I honestly, that one gets confused. So let's just pretend for now that that one can be rejected. The devil has many names and you should ponder this. You know how I've been beating down your throat recently? This idea that the very first profession was grifter, con artist, faker. And say, Dan, that's mean. We worked hard for it. You did. You scared a bunch of buffalo into a ravine. You probably didn't eat them all, but you certainly had your fill, Mr. Homo sapiens. And by the way, you probably grifted the Neanderthal. They were probably decent folk, nice, hearty, decent country folk, and you came along and you took advantage of them too. When you think about it, it's a lot like Mr. Rick on The Walking Dead. He means well, but he he really is a human wrecking ball. Wherever the fuck he goes, he makes things worse. And you'd say, well, no, Rick's protecting them. Is he really? Is he really? Yeah. The devil has many names. And, and frankly, when he says he is legion, I think he's referring to all of his identities. Like the devil has power. He's got the devil's power, which is the power of a fallen angel. He's got the power of probably other fallen angels who work with him. And then he's got demons. But let's be honest about demons. If you're a good Christian, in the sense of you commit yourself to prayer, 
you have faith to the principles. You do what you can to minister to your brothers and sisters. And by the way, if you hear random noises, it's because the window's open. I'm sure a cricket will show up. I just heard, heard a squabbling pheasantry or some type of chickadee. I don't give a fuck because birds aren't real, right? I think if you're a good Christian in the sense of you are committed to your faith, you read the Bible, you pray, you, you meditate upon what the kingdom life is, and then you ask yourself, am I living that life? I think that if you're in that space, demons can threaten you. Maybe they can trip you as you're walking to get potato chips, but think about it. I didn't need those potato chips. I really didn't. There was nothing required by it. And another thing, there was a bank transaction that day that put me into what I would call, even with the power of weed, rage mode x-ray. And, and, and before marijuana, I used to be in rage mode x-ray almost all the time. I just hit it. Um, but but, for, but through a series of accidents on that particular day, and I have a friend in Seattle who knows, I think, because I begged him for money. And because of bank transactions that felt like an anal scrumptus, I ended up, I'm going to go get potato chips at the Davis. I cannot live without them. This is Rage Zone X-Ray. You know, I have to have it. So I did. And so here's a theory that I don't believe is in any way sound. And you have to understand that even as a faithful Christian, what I'm about to tell you, I don't know if it's true. Because frankly speaking, I think nature is filled with all kinds of really nice consequences for stupid behavior. So I don't think you have to posit anything supernatural. But I will tell you, I have thought on the idea that on my way to get my rage-filled potato chips, and I was definitely not in the grace and spirit of God at that moment, that a demon took advantage and he stuck out his foot and maybe he pushed me a little hard because honestly, I don't have issues with my bones and it didn't seem like a hard hit. However, everything was just perfect, you know? I had this friend in college and we used to joke about this weird supernatural villain called the Evil Nanotribologist. And, and the Evil Nanotribologist would travel through time with a spray can and make any surface, even if it's already slick, slicker, super slick. So slick that you could like, you know, flip on over and break your left humerus and need surgery after a week and a half of excruciating pain. And then, you know, go through the process of teaching your left arm to not be a fuckwad, you know, because frankly, that's what happens. Your arm becomes a fuckwad. It doesn't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Fuck you, left arm. And I'm still working on it. Like, I got a lot of physical therapy I'm a little behind on, but I'll be honest with you. It's coming along pretty, pretty much okay. The whole thing. Um... But yeah, what if a demon stuck out his foot? What if the evil nanotribologist traveled through time with his fucking spray can and sprayed the surface and said, fuck you, Dan. Look at you. You're 53. You're a fucktard. Oh, you beat on that shitty Roland. Oh my God. It's worth more than your talent and it's not worth much. Yeah. 
What if a demon was waiting for me? What if a demon was waiting for me in the darkness? When I made a choice to step away from the spirit, when I made a choice to step away from Christ, And this applies to forgiveness, too. Like, I've been able to forgive people that I don't really want to talk to about it, because frankly, I don't think there's anything that's ever going to get fixed. But I've said to myself, I forgive these people. And these are people, some of them are people I've known, some are friends, and I've tried to forgive them all. In some cases, I've had to try to ascribe them to, like I said, the demon world, because it's hard for me to forgive something I don't understand. Like some of the crap that happened to me in 2016, I don't understand. It doesn't make a lot of sense. If I was really paranoid, and I'm not that paranoid, I, I, would, I would pretend that there's some ultimate conspiracy that's special to just me. But that's, I think, pretty much the point when you're crazy. So I'm not going to tell you a demon tripped me on the way to Davis to get potato chips. But I will tell you that if you are not in a good place with Christ, there are demons waiting in every crack, and every corner, and every rock, and every stone. There's a demon waiting on your telephone. And as far as my own faith journey goes, it's been rocky. I mean, I kind of think in some ways it could have been a demon. It could have been an angel. This, Dan, you need a wake-up call. I really don't know. I'm not in the best of places every day with my Lord. This is the honest truth. I should be. My faith should be sound at all times. And, and, I, and I try to walk that path, but some days... I do have that sense of anger and rage over forces beyond my control. And, and I, I think it is not insane, but it is futile, you know? It's futile. That hate and that rage goes nowhere. I mean, if you want to take on a hobby and do something interesting, you, you can. For example... I think there's a movie being released that I'm probably not going to see about the issue of pedophilia and how that there are groups of people involved in it. And, and I think somebody I knew, you know, from when I grew up is starring in it and good luck with it. You know, good luck, you know, Jim Caviezel. I think that's his, his artistic vehicle that's coming up or maybe currently debuting. I don't know if it's a movie or a series of movies. It looks interesting. I might watch it. I got to be honest with you. Um, I haven't been watching a lot of movies recently. So if you were to tell me what should I do with my rage, I'd say become a private investigator with the goal of investigating the disappearance of children. 
Okay, intelligent people can learn the skills. You can learn the tradecraft. You don't have to break the law. You can participate within the game. Become a private detective with the purpose of finding lost and exploited children. And I guarantee you, just like I've said, the soft underbelly of the bullshit COVID pandemic are the hospital systems. I am telling you this. If you're a lawyer and you don't think next year is going to be a giant fuckaroo and you, you want to do something righteous, dude, class action lawsuits are forming right now against every major hospital system, and you only have to believe one-third of what I believe about the pandemic to get there. So believe me, there's stuff people can do. You can fight back if you want to believe that reality is going to remain reality and that your good friend Dan is crazy, then yes, there's things you can do. One thing intelligent people can do is figure out how to become a private detective and on your own put together voluntary groups of people within the law and track down these people. That would be a righteous thing to do with your anger. With, with respect to this issue, I'm going to be talking about this later in the podcast, so I don't want to talk about it too much right now. I'm just going to tell you, my faith journey is rocky, and I get filled with rage, and I wonder at what point will humans demand an exit from the cage? And the only answer I have is, we have the key. We always had the key. We did. Right now... Every American in the United States of America has the key to fix the system. I don't care if you think the Trump trauma drama is real or if it's fake. Here's the point. At this point, it doesn't matter. It is such an egregious affair, whether it's a PSYOP or whether it's real, it's equally bad. And I would say every American has the key to put an end to that. Put, to put an end to that tyranny, to put an end to that bullshit. But what it requires is a tremendous amount of courage. And I'm not even claiming that I had that courage, okay? I'm sitting here in Scompton, Utah. I have, I have a roof over my head. I have food. I am more or less quite lucky. A lot of people aren't nearly as lucky as I am right now. I have people I care about who basically live out of vehicles. And I won't say any more than that. And these are people I love. And I hope that they are safe. But the reality is, it's kind of hard to be safe if you're sleeping out of a car. In a car, you know. Um. And mainly because there's no community, usually, where people will look out for you. That's why I would recommend, if you're a traveling hobo, whether you have a vehicle or a backpack, find yourself a tribe. Because I think stuff could get really interesting in ways that humans have not experienced in hundreds of years, and it does not mean it's the end of the world, but like all things involving existence, everybody's world does end. And I've really spent too much time on that, I think. Yeah, pretty much. I pretty much ate up almost all my time to simply say that my faith journey is rocky. Okay, the next random thing. I think they're okay with this, but I have links to two YouTube channels for two friends of mine. A very close friend, Justin, 
and a friend also through association who will just go by Maker You Mine because that's his tag on YouTube. And the links are in the notes. And what I will tell you is if you're interested in amateur radio, and you're, and also in the case of Maker You Mine, I think he does Minecraft too, stuff too. But if you're interested in amateur radio and technology and issues like that, I totally recommend the two channels. Um, Maker does a lot of really cool experiments. And Justin has some pretty awesome stuff on like building antennas, which, you know, if you're not into radio, you may not realize it. But a receiver antenna more or less could be any old piece of wire. But if you want to transmit, you have to tailor your antenna to the wavelength you want to transmit. Otherwise, you know, it's just not going to work and you're probably going to damage your radio. Yeah. So Justin's got a lot of cool stuff on that topic. And so if you are interested in amateur radio, check these dudes out. I think they're light years away from the devil. <laughs> so they're okay, right? I'm kidding. I have no idea who's okay at this point. Next topic, I'm not even going to get too deep into. There's a link in the notes to um, uh, a movie that's on YouTube right now. And I watched it, and it's in very good quality, called Panic in the Year Zero. And in the link of the notes, there's also a podcast, I believe, let me double check, that I did in November of 2019. Yeah. No, December 2019, right before the monkey herpes. And the name of the podcast, and it was very popular on SoundCloud until I realized how much I was shadow banned there and I was paying money. But, um, yeah, December 2019, Panic in the Year Zero. Um... I would say watch the movie because it's interesting from a cultural perspective, especially given all the saber rattling about there's going to be a nuclear war and we're going to be forced to like become citizen soldiers, but we're going to behave like <laughs> apes until we get to the camp. <laughs> Dude, there's some bad takes in the show too. <laughs> like really, 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 really. Really bad takes. Like when you think about it, if you were NSA, not no, not NSA, if you were CIA and um, FBI and you were embedded in Hollywood um, and you wanted to fuck with people and give them the, the sort of the quote unquote Rand Corporation way of dealing with the nuclear war, panic in the year zero, in my opinion, right out of the Rand Corporation. So yeah, it's worth a watch just for cultural history. You know, it's it's kind of like Atomic Cafe. You have to watch it for cultural history or even that, you know, more or less kind of direct that um, Captain Kirk did about the... And actually, it was I'm not going to call it direct. He did a documentary series. Um, I think it was called Trinity and Beyond. And actually, William Shatner, if you're listening, he did a fantastic job. It's actually a pretty amazing documentary series. And if you don't have an understanding of atomic testing during the Cold War, um, that documentary series will give you a pretty good overview. So yeah, I was being a little bit of a jackass. But that's a shout out to Shatner. He'll never listen to this podcast. Um no. Panic in the Year Zero is worth a watch from a cultural perspective. You can listen to the podcast I did in um, December 2019. 
You can draw any conclusions you want to. I have a few podcasts I did uh, during November and December of 2019 that I would consider connected to even what I'm looking at in the world today. One of them um, was called The Great Discontinuity. And the other, I think, was called The Stranded Unconscious Skier or something. But the point is, if you want to understand the way I look at things economically, sociologically, and, and frankly, I feel like I've been mostly pretty consistent. Like what I was telling people in November and December of 2019 was, get ready for your world to be turned upside down. And I'll be honest with you, I feel like I called it. I also don't think I was the only one who was pointing the arrow that way. So it's not special. I'm not a fantastic person. I'm not some seer into the future. It's simply the way I read the tea leaves. There were a lot of things going awry during that decade of quote-unquote prosperity post the, the great financial crisis. And a lot of it was just, you know, that's why I did the Stranded Unconscious Skier podcast, because I wanted people to understand there were two economies in the, in the Obama quote-unquote slash Trump economy. There was the quote-unquote economy that was doing really well, but a lot of it was rackets from a, from a libertarian or market or anarchist perspective. These were rackets, you know, like security, healthcare, military, industrial complex, stuff like that. Tons of money, tons of money. And the, and the housing pyramid. Because you got to build houses on the Death Star. You do. It can't all be about blowing up planets. It can't all be about blowing up countries, Dan. Um, so, so anyways, panic in the year zero. Let me continue because I'm really fucking up here. I'm taking way too long. Okay, so I'm not going to read. Maybe I will. Let me double check time. Yeah. I think I might read this article, okay, or at least part of it. It's from The Atlantic, and then we'll talk about it because you all know my perspective. Here is the headline. Killer whales are not our friends. Stop rooting for the orcas ramming boats by Jacob Stern. Stern. <laughs> yeah, you've seen heavy metal. And this was uh, written or published on June the 17th, 2023. In recent months, orcas in the waters off of the Iberian Peninsula have taken to ramming boats. The animals ha have already sunk three this year and damaged several more. After one of the latest incidents in which a catamaran lost both of its rudders, the boat's captain suggested that the assailants have grown stealthier and more efficient. Looks like they knew exactly what they're doing, he said. Scientists have documented hundreds of orca boat incidents off of the Spanish-Portuguese coast since 2020 Boblimdok. But news coverage of these attacks is blowing up right now, thanks in part to a creative new theory about why they're happening and it's cetacean vengeance. <laughs> and I can't read further. I think there's a paywall I'm going to get here or something. Yeah, there's a paywall. So I just read you the, the top of it, okay? I, I don't even want to read more because the, sci the scientists are going to say we discovered the idea that these intelligent creatures who have been totally fucked with and have been treated like Boblimdok 
critters and been fed radioactive dung turdy that they're at the point now that, you know, they know they're going to run out of seals. You know, they'll run out of fish and seals. No, I, I personally, and I am an anarchist, but if you ask me, have the, has the human race treated the oceans very well? Not even remotely. And could we do better? Yeah. And is the answer more tyranny? No. The answer is freedom. It was always freedom. We have to find our fit. We have to stop blowing bubbles. I mean, the thing about the economics of, of a lot of banking and financialization is it's about building these hypothetical pyramids that can never fucking exist. So if you're an orca whale, whale out there and you're eating a bunch of gumbo plastic and bidrinium waste modules and critrunium elbow noodles from the brand new Simto soups place down by Scrumbos where they take the last things alive at the bottom of the sea and turn it into a ginktus. <laughs> yeah, I think the orcas would fuck somebody up. And I gotta tell you, I mean, I I did a, um, a a New Year's Eve, I think, or around that time podcast in, I think, late 2018. And, and I think it was late 2018. And it was Oregon crap, and it's horrible. But it was basically the story of the Great Orca War. And I've done a few things about Orca Wars going back to, like, 2014. I mean, basically, I've always had this idea that at some point, maybe the Orcas would band together. It's not that they're going to win. Of course, we're going to, like, use nuclear torpedoes and take them out, but... Uh, then you imagine, what if aliens attacked and they were real? Firstly, I think aliens are basically fallen angels and demons. But let's say the fallen angels and demons form an alliance with really pissed off orcas. Um, fuck. We'll see. You can check it out. Check out the stories. Watch that movie, Orca. It's a real movie from the 70s. It's so amazing. Check it out. Check it out. So here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Some of us cheered for Chief Brody. Some of us cheered for the shark. Some of us cheered for the mayor. Some of us cheered for the wife. Some of us cheered for the shark. We cheered for the shark because it was bold and brave. We cheered for the shark because it used no guns. We cheered for the shark because it was a hero of the sea. It defended the fishies of the land. It... <laughs> and I don't know, what was his fucking name? Uh, Richard Dreyfus. He, he No, Dreyfus survived, though. Yeah. He, he got out by the skin of his teeth. But, but he killed Quint. He killed Robert Shaw. And Robert Shaw's kick-ass, dude. So think about how awesome the shark is that kills Robert Shaw. And fucking Chief Brody with his fucking 3-06 and his hillbilly ways... 
and what? Oh, he's stuck an air tank in his mouth and it will explode and blow up the mouth of a shark. And maybe it was always a lie. And maybe life is a lie. And maybe nature is a lie. But some of us cheered for Chief Brody. And some of us cheered for the shark, Dr. Freckles. I will leave it at that. You can meditate up upon what it means. It might not mean one fucking thing. I'm gonna drink some water if that's okay. And I'm, and I'm gonna kind of skip over this next Dr. Freckles quote, but I guess it's worth saying. Some people have a clear lens, others need some Windex, Dr. Freckles. It's not a very clever quote. I, I think we are living in a very difficult time where you could ascribe the existence of something called information pollution and it's the only thing you can you can put it into and the problem is there's a lot of it and maybe I'm even guilty of it I I kind of hope given the fact that I'm so deeply buried that whatever pollution I produce is minimal if it exists for the most part I try to give people an honest perspective and and the worst interpretation of my blog is that it's a personal really a diary of my way, my strange way of looking at the world, you know? That's it, that's reality. But the, but the other truth is, there's a lot of garbage out there, which is just garbage. And it's simply designed to scare people and, and make them angry and make them crazy. People will show me pictures of things and I'll look at them and I'll say, that looks fake, but the people have no I guess the word would be credulity or something. They have no critical ability to reject something that is obviously not true. And then you have to ask yourself, what's wrong? Um, I talked about paradigms in a previous podcast. And the thing, paradigms are great because it's the way we make sense of the world. And I don't care if you have a lot of them. I do too. And frankly, they don't all fit together, but some of them are inconsequential. Like I have a model of wanting to go to a restaurant. I have general theories. One of them is I don't want to have seafood ever if I'm like more than a thousand miles away from the ocean. But frankly, I added a new rule post Fukushima. I don't want to have, I don't want to have seafood ever. You know, I'm done with it. The, the farm stuff is drek. Um... The stuff that's coming from the ocean looks horrible. It, it looks pretty bad. And people might send me angry emails saying, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. If I look at the propaganda, the propaganda tilts towards it can be fixed or, it's, it's, or there's no problem. So you have the two, these are the two positions with respect to like the salmon ecosystems. The radical Republican conservative quote-unquote position is there's no problem, which I think is an oversimplification, big time. A lot of conservatives also want to protect nature. But then there's a group of people who say, but it can be fixed. So there's a problem, but we can fix it. We can blow up some dams and we can do this and that. You know, my basic theory is humans are predators. And they're not, we're not supposed to stack us like Legos. 
And the problem is, is that we create these high density populations in cities that are not functional. And the only way they become functional is because there's a government that makes it that way. And so you end up with a, basically stacking a lot of really fucking angry people. And frankly, when you live in the city, you're given lots of paradigms that make no fucking sense. And they clog up your lenses and they're hard to get rid of. And eventually the outcomes are kind of terrible. But in a lot of ways, living in a city is like living in a simulation. It really is. People, if people understood that that is where the simulation was given birth to, really, the city-state, because ultimately you're giving away a lot of what you are in order to live in this orchestrated realm where things more or less function in a kind of predictable way. And, and you could say, well, Dan, that's great. That's called civil, civilization. We wouldn't have Mozart. Or, but we would have all those people. They would still exist. It would just be a different way of living. And frankly, yeah, maybe there wouldn't be 8 billion people. I'll be honest with you. I don't, I don't share the kind of confused idea that people think they're living in Eden. So they can say, well, you can have a billion people in Texas. Yeah, and please rename the Gulf of Mexico the Gulf of Poop. Because that's what's going to happen. It's already not doing great. That would make it worse. But the thing is, folks, just like the Arctic Circle, I don't have the resources to go out there and find all the leads that prove one case or another. That is also the truth. I am simply a practicing Sovietologist. And when I look at the headlines, when I look at the information, it points to there's something wrong. But nobody wants to have an honest conversation about it. You know, you'll read a weird article about, well, if four billion crabs died or something or disappeared. And, and, and frankly, you could imagine the whole dredging up of the whole Bermuda Triangle bullshit because people would say, well, they just, they went into a magical zone of nowhere place where love and magic happens and everybody's happy. You know. you, could, you could make that case. Um, I don't know what to tell you. I still, I still live in a world where I want to be able to do a podcast. But if I'm being honest about it, if things go the way I've been talking about things, that's not a world that's going to exist, really. I mean, maybe there'll be some dude on some radio someplace. I'm Grumbo, I'm Grumbo Jim. Come down to Slim's. Here's your Zector code. Translate using one-way hash. And maybe there'll be shit like that. And maybe dudes on fucking CBs will trade public keys and one-way hashes and somehow get through the, the Grombozoid networks of the Blimbozoid folks of Sector 43. I don't know. 
Some people have a clear lens. Others need some Windex. And I think I'm blowing my time on this. I'm doing, I'm not doing great. I'm not doing bad. Oh, this next one. So I, I'm not going to read this article because you can read it. You can go to zerohedge.com and you can read it um, because I just don't want to. I read it already. But what I'm going to say is the following. Our government and frankly, all governments in the history of governments, along with the idea that the city-state is a simulation. What if I told you that there are NPCs and some NPCs are voluntary? For example, the BLM Antifa bullshit in 2020, yeah, there were actual government agents. I'm pretty fucking certain of that. But there were also just a lot of fucking useful fucking idiots. And, and people who volunteered who, to LARP in a giant puddle of bullshit. Right in the middle of supposedly this worst pandemic ever, really. Right? So you could call them NPCs. You could. It's not that they have to be. It's, it's, it's almost like a cult. You can get out of it. And in a lot of cases, there are paid actors who just didn't give a fuck. Here's 20 bucks an hour. Put on a black uniform. Get on the bus. You don't have a job. Go someplace and pretend to be some type of scumbag who magically talks Marxist bullshit. Here are your talking points. And if anybody, especially a white person, asks you too many questions, say racist and whatever, and maybe even, you know, take a swing at them, but just don't let the cops see. The story that I'm linking to in my notes has to do with this 16-year-old kid who was manipulated by the FBI um, by an actual FBI agent, essentially, either an agent or someone working with the FBI, manipulated into basically doing something that they then classified as him funding a terrorist. And it's absurd. It's so absurd I don't want to read it because it simply makes a person angry. I mean, I got to be honest with you guys, folks. At this point, I remember this podcast. I've talked about it way too many times. But it's from January of 2020. And it's called Popping Smoke. And one of my premises, and this is frankly way before the COVID became the super magical pandemic to destroy all pandemics that killed everybody's grandma, so please don't participate in the class action lawsuit. Yeah. Um, yeah. This one's going to get banned on YouTube. Fuck. Another strike. Right, right, YouTube. Can't have other opinions. That would be crazy. <sighs> the government has a history of doing this. Um, there was an article on Zero Hedge, I think about a year ago, about a year ago, plus or minus, that dealt with, I think it was Denmark, um, I think it was Denmark, orphans in Denmark, that the CIA would experiment on. 
And I know of cases, as I've mentioned, where they did MKUltra bullshit with women who probably just suffered from depression and they basically did these horrible experiments. And so if you say, is this out of the range of what our government would do? The simple answer is no. But in the podcast Popping Smoke, I basically say the following. If you understand why you pop smoke, it is to conceal. It won't cover you. Technically, cover is something that stops a bullet. Concealment. Okay. You pop smoke for concealment. All this bimbo eruption bullshit during the period of time that I've called the brief intermission, it's, it's, it's Sovietologically speaking designed to be noise. And, and it doesn't really give you anything useful. Like, if you're going to vote for Trump, guess what? You're going to vote for Trump. And if you're going to vote for whoever the Democrat is, maybe it is the magical Kennedy, you're going to vote for the magical Kennedy. And that is exactly what they need you to do. Period. If you ask me, this entire game is meant to stop or slow down or gradually transition to the next state in the way that a Pontiac GTO going 130 miles per hour gradually sort of translates itself to zero while hitting a brick wall. Um, yeah. A brick wall with like a titanium stop because that's a very tough car. But the point is, imagine a inelastic collision for a Pontiac GTO going 130 miles per hour. That's what I'm talking about. And yeah, I think they want us all to be fat, dumb and happy and confused and perhaps kind of angry and anxious until something and they could be wrong. I said this back in 2019 when the entire thing really hadn't kicked off yet when I was thinking about these types of scenarios. They could be wrong. I don't believe they control the schedule. They're using psyops like a time a timeout in football. So I don't see any idea that they really control what's going on. Um, and so when you read a story like this, maybe I want to get back to that, it could be true, and in a way, that's worse, because in reality, it works better as a kind of anger-confusion tool. Like, if people are focused on this, believe me, they're not going to be focused on doing anything other than being focused on this, and what are you going to do about it? How are you going to stop or stop any of this at this point? If you want to live within the law, and I'm an anarchist who advocates living within the law, I'll be honest with you, because at this point, it is just too dangerous to not do it. But if we're being honest, there are times when even those of us who are law-abiding, anarchist, Republican, communist, Democrat, who do things that are, that are a little bit outside the edge. And that is where I'm at. Um, I mostly want to be left alone. But if you look at the information out there, it's a lot of garbage. Next topic, I'm really beating a dead horse here. Oh, here's another quote from Dr. Freckles. Let's see if we can push through. If you have government, you're going to get pedophiles. <laughs> and here's what I'm going to tell you about this. This is what this is why. You know how I said the the oldest occupation is grifter? 
Well, and one of the oldest grifts, I mean, the most ultimate grift of all time, the ultimate confidence scam of all time is government. It always was, it always will be, that one group convinces either a minority or a majority that they have superpowers or special abilities because, well, people elected me or because, you know, I was born a certain kind of way, whatever. The greatest grift of all time is government. And, and we don't really know how it started. I did a little podcast on it in 2019 um, called Voting. And I don't know. I don't know where it started. I, I can't tell you where it all started. But it, it is the ultimate grift. And, but here's the thing about grifters is that they do use psychological warfare they do use mental torture. And if you want to break down other... Okay, let's get right to the heart of it. When I, was, when I went back to Korea the second time, we took a PSYOPs team, and it was nothing fancy. There's no, you know, whatever born identity bullshit going on. We simply had their really cool sound equipment. I mean, equipment where they could project the noise of tanks coming from, like, some direction. And you'd say, okay, that's kind of cool, but that's not all born identity, and it's not. They also talked to us about babies crying, which I'd never really thought about. You know, I'd studied military history, but I'll be honest with you. I kind of focused on the metal and the big arrows and the general, like, operational scale. I hadn't ever thought about the particulars of any particular tool. Like, I understood the purpose of PSYOPs, especially even in World War II. It's just that... I never saw it like from a discipline perspective um, before, before the COVID. Yeah. Yeah. You know how I once said that every great um, population scale psyop is also a snuff flick because often people do end up getting killed. I think there's a lot of ritual abuse that happens in this country and has happened historically because it's a form of control. It's a form of fear. It's a form of intimidation because people can say, this is a valid threat. I'll never get caught. If you don't do this, I'll do that. And it becomes this evil network of evil, taking advantage of one of the most primal features of any adult human being. And that is the desire to protect the young, or at least it should be. Um, so when I say, and if you say, you're being glib, Dan, I'm not. If you have a government, you're probably going to have pedophiles because they need them. They, they are part of the wedge that gives them power. It's another way of dividing people up. It's another way of, frankly, controlling the next generation as well. And usually it does involve bribery. And usually it does involve expanded liberties. And usually it does involve all kinds of ridiculous ideas about who you really are. And this is not brand new. This goes back to ancient times. But you could also argue that he who has many names is very active today.
And so that's my view. Um, governments are wicked things, but and one of the wicked things they do is they figure out ways to create wedges. So do I think that they tolerate, like, think about drugs, for example. You'd say, Dan, governments want to stop people from doing bad things. Really? Because if you study the war on drugs, it doesn't look like that. It looks like they orchestrated the flow of drugs into the, into the United States. It, looked like, it looks like they probably did feed the crack epidemic, which basically they made a decision, and when you think about it, an incredibly racist decision to target some population, not because they were better at being addicted, but because they were the group that it was okay to victimize. They were the target of chemical warfare. Which, by the way, governments prefer to biological warfare because you can more or less control it. You spray a group of people, you, you dump a bunch of cheap cocaine into their world, you teach them how to do something kind of amazing that they probably would have done on their own, but you probably helped them out too, and then you just spin it off. It's an enterprise, a victimization enterprise, and what you have is pain and suffering and weakness and wounded on the battlefield, and you have a population that might stand up for itself, but can't stand up for itself, and not because it doesn't want to, but because it is a target of chemical warfare. So, yeah, do I think the government would do things like flood cocaine into poor neighborhoods in the 1980s and 90s and shit, and probably still does bullshit like that today? Uh, it's like, duh. And, and I would add the issue of pedophilia, and I would add other forms of manipulation. And it is what it is. You want me to tell you I think government's on the side of God? I say 1 Samuel chapter 8. I think, I think there are curses associated with, go with government, any kind. And well, if he was said king, he meant, well, king, I think you can substitute king here, okay? I think you can. You know, you play chess. Anyways, next topic. I'm trying to do well. I'm trying to keep this within an hour, but it's a lot of topics. Oh, here's another Dr. Freckles quote. <laughs> the magnitude of a deception operation matches the magnitude of the real operation you're trying to obscure. Dr. Freckles. Now, this is related to military psychological warfare in some ways specifically, but can be applied generally as your strategic focus if you're going to do large-scale psychological warfare. Prior to the invasion of Normandy, 1944, Bob Limdock, the great invasion to kick the Nazis out of France and on their way to becoming ants and being chewed up by the Soviets to become the laboring folk of Sector 43. Yes, prior to the invasion of Normandy in 1944, um, the, the Allies implemented a PSYOP operation of creating like fake deployments. You know, fake inflatable tanks, fake stuff. Like if the Nazis did overflights, it would look like an army was building to invade at Calais. But that was a feint. In military terms, a feint is like psych, right? Or basically where you try to trip somebody up. You think 
you know, rope-a-dope, I guess you could call it. Maybe it's a rope-a-dope. The point is, it was a feint. It was bullshit. They were never going to do Calais. It was going to be Normandy, Normandy, Normandy. Unless this is one of those, um, what, Mandela effects? Damn, that's a Mandela effect. We all know they invaded at Calais. And then I just created a Mandela effect that's going to destroy all Mandela effects. And I haven't even built my time machine yet. And I know how to build one now, I think. But I also don't have any money, so it's kind of irrelevant. Yeah, if you're going to cover something up, you should probably accept the reality that the scale of what you're going to be doing to cover it up is going to be quite large. Like, for example, and I go, Dan, don't say it. Don't go there. Because you're really going to get banned now from YouTube. Okay, I'm going to go there. Like Apollo. Because, frankly, I just call too much bullshit on how it takes a half a century to maybe go there next year. Um, I just call bullshit on it. I could be wrong. I'm willing to accept I could be wrong. But all the things, well, we were bouncing lasers. Yeah, they were bouncing lasers off the moon without a reflector. The moon is reflective. Um, there's a lot of stuff that people throw out there as evidence that just is, is very shaky. And I just question it. Just like space. Like, if you tell me, it's like if you took the random person and you did this, I think this is a worthy study. Take the random person off the street and ask them, how many unique people have been to space? How many, how many unique human beings since 1961 have been to space? And I would do it at universities. I would do it off the street. I would be very randomized. I would ask, how many people do you think have been to space? And I would say, people would say, oh, 10,000, 100,000. I bet there'd be people who'd say a million. But if you told them after the test that it was less than, it was less than 1,000, it was less than 700, would they be shocked? Or would they just not fucking care? I mean, that's really the question, too. You know, it's like the story of Apollo 13. It wasn't about saving astronauts. It was about ratings. You know. And now you say, Dan, you're a dick. You just said Apollo's bullshit. Frankly, I believe... That if, if people want me to believe that we will have a colony on like Mars or the moon in five or ten years, then yes, I call bullshit with these numbers. These numbers don't make sense. It's not to say that it couldn't have happened. It might have happened. But the, the number of phenomenal levels of stupidity that leads to no other nation, even just trying to do it cheaper, like Solera Genomics versus the Human Genome Project. Do it cheaper, do it faster. I believe that was true, as true of the story. Of course, it could have been bullshit story too. Just press. But the point is, why hasn't anyone else been there? Why hasn't anyone else done it? It's not a simple question of 
could you do it? Like, I believe the black market is quite real. And my basic premise is, if it can be done, you can buy it. So in my view, if space is real, then there's got to be people going to space outside of the government system. And this is the thing. I'm willing to wager, if you're into space, before I just beat up on space too much, if you're into it, there could be a secret space program. Like, that's where I'm at with space in some ways. We could have a secret space program because a lot of what we do looks like psyops. It doesn't look real. Like, the, the stuff going back to the 50s looks hokey enough, but the shit that we expect to swallow um, post, like, maybe 1972, it's just, it's silly, and it makes you wonder, what if what if they're doing this so that they could do the things they want to do with whatever secret budget they want to use. And nobody's really going to be the wiser. And I know that sounds crazy. And you know why it sounds crazy? Because I don't really believe it. I don't. Like, I believe that government is good at grifting. I don't think they're good at building space battleships. Like, I think, could they pay some people to build one? But how the fuck do you keep that a secret? You know? That's a big fucking project right there. A space battleship, a space cruiser. You're probably talking at least 100 tons, even for a small Corvette. 100 tons of specialized titanium produced to produce wafer titanium through the superheating cooling process and zero gravity. So you basically have a very low density titanium, but it has as much strength as regular titanium. So you need 100 tons of that, and you're probably going to need like 1,000 to 2,000 tons of uranium that you're going to have to refine to useful reactor uranium for the purposes of powering your main core reactor for whatever type of fucking vibrational drive you use. And you're going to have to like figure out where to get more uranium when you need it. Because uranium might end up becoming the coal of outer space if outer space is a place you can go. It's just, honestly, the shit NASA tells us just doesn't make any fucking sense at this point. It doesn't. And going back to the 70s, it's like people love to say, back in the 70s they said that it was going to be an ice age. You know, what if that was on purpose? What if they were geoengineering back in the 70s and they overdid it? I mean, honestly, there's a lot of explanations just as plausible as, well, they were just so wrong. And truly, why wouldn't they want to psyop the fuck out of you? It's an ice age coming because they want you to believe that. They want you to believe that is what's coming. You know? But who the fuck knows, right? All I can tell you is if you're going to put on a military psychological warfare operation, its magnitude or scale is roughly going to match the scale of what you want to obscure. So if there's a five-year window where you expect some kind of bullshit to occur, and you could be wrong, but the scale of the bullshit's big enough that if, if you are wrong, you're going to look like an ass. And if you're in power, you're probably going to lose it. Basically, it's over. 
So you're going to want your Antarctic condo anyways, I think. Yeah. That is my paranoid conception of what's going on right now. And, and I do think there's a lull of sorts. But honestly, they're still tossing those fucking hand grenades. Fucking, oh my God, there's a drag queen Nazi taking over the baseball game and trying to make people smoke crack from underneath, you know, a crucifix or something. And maybe that's happening. And maybe it's real. But kind of like the FBI story, even if it's real, its purpose is simply to infuriate. Because there's going to be no justice, not earthly justice. I mean, I think there's the celestial kind. But if you're, if you're talking to me about the justice of the planet Boblimdok, fuck. You were, if that ever existed, you were born the wrong decade, honey. Anyways, I beat that into a dead horse, and I'm going to check the time, because I think it's crazy. Oh, boy. I'm over an hour now. I think I'm an hour. Over an hour. Basically guilty of multiple time crimes involving being over an hour. It was like, hey, it's almost 11. Now it's almost noon. And then it will be afternoon. And then the question becomes, is it the afternoon? So here's a, here's a quote from Dr. Freckles, and let's try to burn through it. If you harbor long-term traumas over any of the bullshit that happens on Twitter, and you can substitute Facebook, Instagram, blah, 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 you know, Discord. If you harbor any type of bullshit over that, you've got some real fucking problems. I, you know, like clinical. And this is Dr. Freckles. I think this is true. I think this is one of the problems, like people think it's sane to take something from social media that I believe is deeply managed by the deep state. It is so deeply, oh, but Elon Musk freed us, did he really? And yeah, could me saying this give me banned from Twitter? Probably. Will it matter? Will anybody know? Probably not. It'll just be another fucking speed bump in terms of the reality that we are currently living in. This is where we're at in the game. It's not the end of the world, but I'll tell you what it is the end of, a lot of fucking bullshit. And so if you harbor bullshit over things like Facebook or Twitter or social media, if you harbor bullshit over some kind of crazy thing some motherfucker brother or cousin says that you think may speak badly unto the clan, Boblimdok, given especially how deeply, deeply buried his bullshit is, if you harbor issues over that, then I do think you got issues that need help. Because this is not important. It really isn't. I'm willing to admit that if I can get some support to keep going for a few more months, I would really love it just because I'm living someplace where I'm trying to pay respect to the people I live with. And part of that is I want to raise money to pay for things like rent. Um... But the reality is, I don't, I don't know what any of this means long term. I don't. I do know that there'll come a point where podcasting 
is just going to be me sitting around a fire with a harmonica. Maybe I, you know, things will be so bad. They'll say, Dan, we have an old rickety rackety piano in our old timey bar where the Sklimbo folk come in from Sector 45, Bo Blimptipop, Zimdazoid, and they want to have their Crombazoid babies partially fed the ancient ale of the dying whale and the elbow crab and the monstrosity that comes up from the depths of the sea when everything is nothing but puke for you and me. You know, yeah, that's too much. Anyways, no need to harbor that bullshit, bros and hoes. All of us, to include Uncle Dan, we need to give up on that shit because who knows? Could be today, could be tomorrow, could be next Boblimtok. Um, this is another story I'm going to gloss over, especially because of the time. But there is a link in the notes, and in the headline on my blog, I call it Breaking Points. And it Ostensibly, the headline is 21-year-old pummeled by unhinged suspect spewing anti-sexual orientation remarks. So I'm just going to, let's just classify this as some type of angry confrontation where one person decided to beat up another person. If you want to classify it as a hate crime, I get it. I frankly think every kind of crime is, you know, let's just, how can I phrase this? You don't usually steal from people you love. You really don't usually. I mean, some people do because they're addicts, but even then you have to ask, do they really love them or do they love, you know, whatever drug they're using? So I don't know. Um, there are people out there right now and I actually started talking about this issue back in 2015, um, right about the time I wrote the essay, The Odds of Survival, which is in my PDF archive. You can look it up and basically dealt with, you know, I said in 2015, I'm going to shoot off one flare. In about five years, shit's going to start going sideways. I take a win on that. And, in, you know, that's like 2019. I said, yep. Yeah, shit's going to start going sideways. And right now it feels normal for a lot of people because it kind of, you know, it calmed down a little. Like inflation got crazy, but now it's not so insane, you know, unless you look too closely. Um, a lot of things right now seem quasi-normal. Um, you can almost call it, you know, I'm going to call it a mirage economy. You know, we were in this kind of stranded skier economy, and then we had the magical monkey herpes, and now we're in the mirage. And right now, in the brief intermission of the mirage, it's like, for a lot of people, stuff seems normal. And it's like, oh, it's getting better, and I've got people graduating, and they're going to get jobs doing Boblimtok robotics, and we're sending robotics into your sphincter. And one day, we will gouge out a life deep inside of your colon. 
don't think they would frack your colon, you are cray cray in the JJ. Anyways, I don't want to beat up on this dude because I don't know if he's guilty. All I know is this this is another story of someone where this might have actually happened or it might be total bullshit just designed to piss people off. Like, there's this uh, guy I interact with on Twitter until I get banned from Twitter again called Econ Circus, at Econ Circus. And he points out often, legitimately, that a lot of the crap being thrown out there into the media is kind of racist. And it is kind of almost deliberately designed to make it look like African Americans are the worst sorts of people, that black people are the worst sorts of people. And I would say I call bullshit on that too. I'm not saying this story is not true. It could be true. It could be. If I think about the history of victimization in terms of culture, our history, United States government, the likelihood that these stories are true does not seem very high. I think there's more to the story. Do I think bad things happen? Yeah. And I've even read, I've read some of these stories, so I'm guilty, 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 guilty. Do bad things happen in neighborhoods? Sure. Where there's a lot of poverty? Yeah, bad things happen. And I do think one of the outcomes of military psychological warfare on the scale that our government, at least, and others probably, implemented in February, March, mostly, but probably pulled the trigger on it in October with the Bent 201, the ultimate fakeroo, the ultimate inflatable tank. Yeah, I think what they pulled the trigger on at the strategic scale, to impact hundreds of millions of people, to ruin tens of millions of people's lives, to wreck millions of businesses, to drive God knows how many people to overdose and suicide and mismanage chronic illness. For what purpose, we still don't know. This is one of the reasons why you, we got to get over this whole, let's have a an amnesty for the pandemic. We don't we still don't know what the fuck happened. We still don't know what is going on. And yeah, YouTube censor, at this point I know I'm probably gonna get that strike. Until we know what happened, how the hell do we forgive it? It's one of these reasons why I tell people be careful of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Be careful of every white knight they toss at you right now. I don't believe it's going to change a damn thing. If you understand the way I see the future, best case scenario, it's going to be crazy. And, and um, the United States of America might still have a federal government, but it's not going to be the one we have today. It'll be probably a lot more like the one we had in 1900. And, and it might go around and do thuggery and say, pay us for our postal services. And they might chase bandits. And, and villages might say, fuck, I don't want to worry about chasing bandits, so pay the fucking cavalry. And so maybe they do end up with a racket called the United States Cavalry. And they do shit like that. Maybe. 
and maybe they get, you know, we need somebody to bring order to our town. So they say, we need a marshal. Say, yep, I'm a grifter. I'll, I'll give you a marshal. Governments have always done psyops. They've always done mind manipulation. Some people call it lesser magic, but they've always done this. You know, it's not really new. What we've experienced since 2020 is not the issue of newness. It is the fucking scale and the, and the degree to which the powers that be were willing to wreck the world. I mean, that's the thing that just boggles my mind. People think that it's all behind us. Like, well, we don't need to worry about that. You know, it's like, well, it's a thing in the rearview mirror. And so we just forget about it. It never really happened. I don't think people remotely understand how much economic damage was done in terms of what happened in 2020 and 2021. And frankly, in many ways, it's still fucking happening. Um... But, but we will know. We will find out. These are the things. You don't have to believe in God to believe in consequences. And Ayn Rand said it, and I don't mind quoting her a billion times, Bo Blimptock, because if she lived today, she would write a novel called Bo Blimptock in honor of her lover, Dan, who also called himself Bo Blimptock. And they lived in a little cabin not far from, I don't know, the Rio Grande, and we called it Boblimp Dog, and we had a baby, and we called it Boblimp Dog. You can ignore reality. I mean, you can pretend it's not there. Reality, you're not there. Fuck you, reality. Na 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 na. You can ignore reality. But you can't ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. You can't ignore the consequences. You can pretend the world is not there. You can. And frankly, since the beginning of fucking time, in, in terms of the darkest magic you can imagine, humans have been captured by this idea that the only way we can live is by being told how to live, and if we don't do it the way we're supposed to, well, then there's force. So basically, rule by force is the only way to live. And yeah, but we vote for the people that end up, you know spying on us and and shooting our dogs and you do you vote and guess what nothing's going to change they're just going to get smarter about killing your dogs or maybe they don't even kill your dogs this is what happens they they develop a taser or a special thing for dogs and then they take your dogs and they put them in a fucking you know pen someplace and you you're not able to pay for it and the dogs basically get put to sleep Maybe that's what the, that's the humane thing they end up doing. They stop shooting your dogs with guns and they start shooting them with some type of dazer. It's a Fido, it's a Fido taser at some cop conference. They're going to call it a phaser. You shoot the phaser at the dog 
and it stuns the dog. It doesn't kill the dog. It stuns the dog. Maybe it uses like the the what the Booker effect. You know, it puts a poop a poop mama into the dog's eyeball mind. Yeah. <laughs> Causes the dog to flop over. So they can take the dog and put it in a cage and take it to the animal shelter and you will be in jail and you won't be able to pay to take care of it and within a few weeks your dog will be dead. Yeah. People are reaching breaking points, brothers and sisters. You've got to be careful out there. That doesn't mean, as a Christian, you should harden your heart. The stranger, the orphan, the widow. And let me just round the circle for you. There are people in your life right now, people that you love, people you care about, people that are critical to you, and maybe they need your help. Who knows? What I would say is understand this is the last time in the history of the universe where you should harden your heart. I thought I'd learned the lesson in 2015. I was wrong. It's not to say there aren't dark forces. Oh, 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 I learned that lesson too. There are. There is spiritual warfare. There are dark forces out there. There's a lot of difficulty ahead for people who want to keep the faith. That's my view. Be careful, a lot of people out there. So here's another quote from Dr. Freckles, and let's check time. Oh my God, way over time. The reset is a great psyop. Gives the outsiders something to be afraid of, and the insiders something to dream about. Because I honestly believe it about the reset. I think the reset is 100% bullshit. It is a movie. It is a movie people are participating in. The outsiders, the underclass, the people like me. It's like, oh my god, Dan, they're going to put us in pod. I lived in a pod. The pods are already there. Well, they're going to put you in a FEMA camp. I was in Seattle in 2020. And enough of 2021 to tell you that the FEMA camps are already there. All that's already done. They don't have to do shit. And people basically will, will do exactly what they're told to do. And other people will go around and be bullies. That, that was Seattle, 2020-2021. And frankly, that was probably with the volume of the COVID turned to like, let's say, medium low or low. I don't think they ever turned it up hot. They could have turned it up so hot. There are so many chemical weapons that simulate um, something like the flu or the cold that would kill people. And they wouldn't kill them instantly. Ricin is a good example, but I would bet they have versions of ricin you just can't find, or at least are hard to find. And you'd say, oh, it's a new kind of germ. It's killing people instant, almost, well, it takes three days. And they have fevers and grunctus and they vomit up phlegm. And it must be a monkey herpes. And then you just build around it. It's like 9-11. And really, it's the next level up. From, from 2020, you end up at a place where if they're going to do it again, they're going to have to do mass casualty events, 
which means a lot of people get some type of grunctus or some type of scrabies or some type of fucking, oh my God, Dan, I have the Ebola type 17 herpes x-ray. It gets into your soul and eats away at your funk. It eats away at your funk, Dan. Which is depressing. I mean, if there was a virus x-ray that took away your funk, and I don't have very much of it, like the fraction I have, it would only like take like one virus to invade one cell cell's worth of funk, and that doesn't take long. I'm, I'm already infected. The insiders get to play the power game. They get to threaten. They, oh, we're going to take your guns and we're going to put you in pods and you're going to eat cricket flour and you're going to live like a scrumbo freak and you're going to be happy having nothing and you're going to have weird, weird, weird looking, theatrically weird looking overlords like Klaus Schwab. Because frankly, anytime I've seen him, with, with rare exceptions, he's in some type of an outfit that makes him look like a cartoonish Bond villain. Like, you remember Dr. No? You know, he wore that fucking plastic fucking shit all the time. The shit that you're, well, you don't have to, but the shit that people have on sofas. So Dr. No's walking around in a plastic suit. Oh my God. Klaus Schwab looks absurd. He looks like someone chosen not to do something real, but to be, writ large, a lot like Greta Thunberg or Al Gore, a gigantic fool. He, he, he is, in a way, playing that game. He's playing the game with a fool. He is obviously worth rebuke. But I think he's meant to be. And he's obviously scary because he says scary shit. And I think that's meant to be, you know. The insiders can say, we're going to be making you eat the crickets. And you're going to have to, like, love kale. And if you're not willing to pick up the poop on the corner all the time, maybe, there's going to be, like, a crime of death, or maybe, unless you say you have the monkey herpes, but you should have called the coalition. And we will pick up your dog. And put your dog in a shelter. Yeah. Yep. Sad, sad, sad. The insiders have something to dream about. The outsiders have something to be afraid of. That's what Dr. Freckles is saying in very simple terms. But if you understand it, that's the inherent dynamic. And that is, and maybe has always been, the inherent dynamic of the insiders and the outsiders in terms of government. Like that might have always been sort of Dante's Inferno. The insider versus the outsider. And and the orchestrator being the people in charge. And by the way, I don't think it's President Biden. The orchestrator, whoever the hell it is, and if it, if it were those times that Jesus sent us prophets to talk about, and those times were upon us, then I guess you could say the orchestrator is that guy that, again, He's not the one with many names. He's the one that has one specific name, and that's, you know, the Antichrist. 
but yeah, maybe he's going to show up and do his hokey pokey and do his dance and say, look at me, I can cure the cures of all problems. Oh yeah, there's this problem with maybe there's some stuff going on in the Arctic, I'll cure that. Everything's cured. And I do think it's possible that the way he arrives is kind of almost David Bowie style in the sense that he could arrive like from outer space. I could see that. I could see it. It's just that I don't know. I, I, I'm not an expert, so let's just leave it at that. What I will tell you is that if they believed that this was the window of time when that was all going to start, then in a lot of ways, they're kind of following their satanic prophecy, maybe. I mean, I don't know how, how people like that see the world. So maybe everything they've been doing is exactly what they're supposed to be doing according to their prophecy. Maybe they're just setting up the dominoes. I have no idea. I know before Christ, I am not an expert on the Bible or on prophecy. I do believe the reset as described is probably bullshit. Um, there are lots of possibilities to include the one I just ranted about. There are lots of possibilities, but this idea that they're going to figure out a way to stack shit higher at this point, no. I don't think so. And the argument that they're going to gain massive power that they never, ever, ever had before, that argument is implausible to me. I may not be a very good historian, but I have enough student debt and probably agents of the state looking for me to tell you that I have enough degrees in history to tell you. <sighs> There are limits, folks. You can only stack this shit so high. And they have been doing the wretched shit they've been doing for thousands of years. And if they could keep on doing it like they were doing in 2019, they would do it for another thousand years. That is the thought. If you if you want to be honest, if you want... If you were listening to my podcast since 2019 and you said, Dan, why do you talk about how you lose sleep? The th there are many things that caused me to lose sleep. But one of the things that causes me to lose sleep was that idea. That that other, that dark interpretation. Because frankly, I've talked to people I know and they have their own opinions. And they'll say things like, well, they want to be able to build dungeons and torture people. It's like, but yeah, listen... They do all those things already. And if you can hear a cricket outside, I just want to let you know. I'm going to let the cricket be, but it's going to be a cricket as crickets will be. Um, they could do all of it. All of it. They had all the power, everything they ever needed to do all the terrible things they wanted to do. So the thing, one of the things that would keep me up and keep me from being able to sleep is the simple idea of why? Why would they put an end to it? Why would they toss a giant hand grenade? Because frankly, what they're doing, you don't build anything on it. You might be trying to keep people busy. It's like, there's another quote here that's going to come up, but I might as well include it right now. Um, 
a lot of what's been going on since 2020 feels like what the parents do to keep the kids busy while they're waiting for the divorce attorney to show up to, to give the talk. The point is, a lot of what's been going on since 2020 on a very macro scale of military psychological warfare feels like what you do to almost keep a population, as absurd as this sounds, because Dan, but there's the BLM, and I'm gonna tell you, at a macro scale, it, it operates like sedation. It just kind of keeps people under control. They're not about to do much of anything. They're not gonna rise up and take over and, and protest the system in, in any real way. The population is under control. Everybody's getting exactly what they need in their own private Idaho, of their own paradigm, of their own reality. The Trump people think Trump's gonna win. The Biden people think Biden, Biden's awesome. The libertarians keep saying they're gonna fight the good fight to become the dog catcher, you know. I'm on the I'm on the school board. Great, you're on the comradeship of public school board. Fuck, goddamn libertarian hero. But I'm doing good. I'm changing things. I don't know, buddy. I don't know. This is what I will say. You could be right about the reset. It could be robots and hypergenetics and super starships and some of us will be in pods and some of us will be what's referred to as slave cast x-ray bravos who will live in kind of a semi-elegance. I hope to be part of this cast if any of you are listening because at this point, I don't, I just don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, so it could be, it could be reset. It could be we all live in a pod world and maybe they trigger an alien war. They say, if we don't live like pod creatures, we can't defeat the pod people. I mean, Dan, you're oversimplifying. Well, the concept of total war is actually relatively simple on one level and horrifying on one level. But total war, most people ascribe it to World War II. I would argue that in real terms, um, the North during the Civil War committed to a kind of total war in many ways. And I would even go further to say that during the Second Punic War, and this is going back to the ancient world, this is Roman times, this is like third century BC, you know, the time of Scipio Africanus, the Second Punic War at one point, the Roman Empire had hundreds of legions all over the Mediterranean. And for all intents and purposes, for the ancient world, the Second Punic War was total war. So it sounds simple and, and it sounds trite to put it in those terms and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, next topic. I don't want to talk about aliens invading because honestly, I'm a Christian and it just ends up circling back to are they the fallen angels? So next topic though, next next one in the notes. I'm getting through these. It's getting late in the day though. I mean, yeah. There's a dude I knew once 
and he's a really cool dude. And if he was listening for some random reason and figured out through my own kind of advanced encryption technology that he's the dude I'm referring to, he needs to understand, I think he's a really cool dude. But I was having a conversation with him and this goes back to even before I really got into software engineering. I think this was the summer. I really do want to say it was 2001, maybe 2002. And um, we, we just watched, you know, the documentary version of Noam Komsky's Manufacturing Consent. And I'd said to him in my own way that I thought, you know, people, I think, have the wrong view about the Internet. You know, there are a lot of people who think of it as a net good. And I would argue, like any other kind of technology, it's it's neutral at best. At best, the internet is neutral. And this is where I would say Hanlon's, Hanlon's razor, in my opinion, is bull. I call bullshit on it. Because the internet, in my opinion, is a good example. At best, it's neutral. At best, the internet is this big neutral machine. At worst, it is this monster that controls people's lives and, frankly, orchestrates their reality, their little personal way they see the world. Is it like the simulation of the Matrix where you plug your brain into a Grombo device and it fits into your Twimbo? No, it's a smart device. It's a little fucking panel. It's a little bit of glass. It's some sparkly movies that attract your scroton zone and remind you of a future where you'll have a Toyota with, with, with Captain Marvel. Or, or is it a Honda? I don't know. A Nissan. Captain Marvel and the magical Nissan. Don't know what to tell you. I remember telling people, and this is going to give this to Dr. Freckles, I remember telling people the internet would be mainly used to control people, and they laughed at me. And it's not that this dude really laughed at me. It's, and, and in this case, he didn't really do that. He just respectfully disagreed. And he had his own opinion. He said, no, Dan, it's going to be good, and the internet's going to be all positive and stuff. And frankly... Back in the years between, let's say, 1995 and the year 2005, a lot of people still had this, the internet is an open, wild west highway of magic where everybody gets to play and nothing gets controlled. And people still believe that. And it's not just the Snowden revelations, folks. People who understand the complexity of computer architecture at this point will tell you. You could park an NSA battleship on every single CPU built on planet Earth, and none of you would fucking know. And it wouldn't matter what kind of fucking operating system you ran, it wouldn't matter what kind of special security you ran, unless you disconnected from the internet, it would find a way to use it, and it would send information, and your encryption and everything else just simply wouldn't work. And the NSA has probably been doing this since at least the 1990s. So when people say to me, well, Dan, I run, I run Linux too, and I'm a hopeful bastard, I'm Irish. But the reality is, even as a hopeful bastard, I know on that little computer I just bought, there's probably a whole fleet of NSA ships sitting on that CPU. 
but Dan, you can use a new scan to, you can use whatever technology you want to. It becomes quite pointless, brothers and sisters. At a certain point, you have to ask yourself, okay, you know, if you're selling me Bitcoin, tell me how you control the architecture for Bitcoin. And the, if the answer is, well, it's a collective thing because the internet's always, the internet came from the deep state. The internet came from multiple projects during the Cold War, all of which came from DARPA. It's why it was first called DARPAnet, and it was mostly for email. That is the birth of the internet. Do you think anything really ever changed? Do you? I used to believe when I first became a software engineer that the internet was neutral. That yeah, there's government bullshit going on because listen, it, it is the Wild West and you're going to have government agents, you know, spoofing accounts and, you know, collecting links on people. I saw your link and it showed a picture of somebody's vagina, which is really the buvula, also known as a skib. Um, no. I remember telling people. I remember telling people back when I was a Luddite uh, humanities geek before I even got into programming, when I was getting ready to go in the army, telling people I was very suspect of the internet. It wasn't that I thought, and again, you can mock, oh, you're like that Cudlow guy or that freaking Kramer or someone else or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, ah. Uh, Krugman. You're a Krugman. You're a Paul Krugman. Fuck you. This is not Paul Krugman. It's just that even though I wasn't a programmer back then, because I was studying military science, I was interested in the technology of communications. So I kind of kept up with the basic history. I wasn't really getting into the technology, but I understood basically what was going on. And from my perspective, it was at best neutral back then. I said, it could be good, could be bad. You know, you, you got to understand that it is a backbone controlled mostly by the government and big corporations. And by the way, you might as well at that point say the government. That the NSA probably controls the whole backbone. So given that fact, exactly what would you expect to be the outcome? And that was my view going back to 1995. Before I even got into programming, when I was studying Russian military history bullshit, which frankly involved a lot of flowcharts, believe it or not. Those Soviet bastards, they put everything into a flowchart. It's like, you know, I'm a fan of the Toyota method, but you, t you took it too far, Red Army. Mostly under Brezhnev, I think. They wanted to computerize everything, you know. I guess their, their, <laughs> their version of Uber. I should go on the next topic because I'm in trouble now. So I have a, I have dry mouth and um, a very simple topic and then notes a link to a YouTube video until they ban me from a show called Jericho where some jackass explains that all we need is the internet. 
And I think it's a worthy little short video to watch because it does a really good job of summarizing reality. Um, technology is amazing. It is. And I would say that at this point in human history, it seems as if there's just no limit. Like we're going to go forever and ever and things will just get more amazing. But let me just give you a reality shock. The basic way a jet engine works, and my friend who works in the industry who are, who are renamed nameless will would, would agree out there in the Pacific Northwest, the basic way a jet engine works hasn't really changed much since World War II. It isn't to say we don't have better metals and we, we don't have better turbine fans and we don't have a more efficient design. Sure we do. We have better turbine engines than they built during World War II, but they're still turbine engines. It's kind of like the, um, the candle. You know, people say, well, Dan, what do you mean? Well, think about the candle. And there's a saying, so I'll keep it simple. The saying goes like this. You cannot continue, continuously improve the candle to the light bulb. You can't. You can't take a candle and practice continuous improvement and hope that eventually it becomes a light bulb. It never will. You need a paradigm shift. You need a complete change in the way you look at the world. This is a good example of punctuated equilibrium in terms of thought or paradigm shift. The difference between a candle and a light bulb is a completely different way of looking at the world and things function differently. And I gotta say, I'm not a fan of grifters, but like people that run a good theater, grifters will sometimes attempt to put on a good show. So if you say to me, are there governments that have been better than others? Maybe, maybe they simply want to put on a, a good show. You paid me five bucks, you asked me to arrest the murderers and keep the pirates at bay and mostly not steal from people. And I did exactly that. And guess what? We're going to have a party this year called Everybody's Happy About Being Happy. You know. There, there might be good leaders, and, or I should say not leaders. That's not the right word. There might be kind rulers throughout history, kind kings and queens, kind emperors. There might have been kind you know, democratically elected groups of people in some parliament someplace. These things might have happened. But if you ask me, if they ever did happen, it seems like it is probably extraordinarily fucking rare. You know. So anyways, that's a lot of random bullshit. I do think they're pushing a lot of tech stuff right now. It's like that article about Toyota and the magical battery. It's a great article, and it's going to be awesome in 2027. But the thing about 2027 is it ends up becoming 2028, and in all likelihood it's 2033. But I frankly don't think any of those numbers are meaningful at this point. I don't. It's not the end of the world, but 
I do think we're looking at that candle versus light bulb reality. Um, I, I'm kind of spinning my wheels on this topic because I think there's an interesting lesson here. And it's something that goes back to what I was talking about in late, in late 2019 in the great discontinuity, which again, I don't own the concept. You know, it very well could have been something I picked up from Kunstler's site. Um, it, it is not a concept I own. I simply gave my perspective on it. And, and the thing is, it is very much like you're a candle. Your society is a candle. It's been a candle. You have to become a light bulb. But I think if Kunstler was describing it, he'd say, you've been a light bulb. You're used to being a light bulb. Now you have to be a candle. I think Kunstler would put it that way. And, and if you want to know what I mean by Kunstler, that's James Howard Kunstler, his website. I think it's clusterfucknation.com. Um, or no, it's kunstler.com. Kunstler.com. And he has a blog twice a week. I believe it's still there. I haven't been keeping up with it. Uh, Monday, Friday, called Clusterfuck Nation. It's, he's a really great essayist. So if you like a good writer, but you don't want to read a novel, you want to just read a little of something really well written, Kunstler's a good read. Even if you don't, do, even if you don't agree with him. I mean, a lot of people say, Dan, he's, he's Malthusian. No, he's just probably rational. And, and people should be rational at this point. It's going to be helpful to be rational. You know, getting back to that people just blowing up thing. Because um, being rational and being kind, these work together, but also be safe, be careful, don't be crazy. You know, that if you want to say, but do I need to follow, follow the Bible, but read it, read the Old Testament. You, know, you need to be careful. There's a lot of examples in the Old Testament of people not being careful is my point. So yeah, keep it biblical in every sense of that word. Um, anyways, I think I beat that dead horse. And now I'm like way over time and guilty of multiple time crimes. And I was going to talk about yelling. And I feel like I have to just get to the end. There's, I'm not a bearable, I'm a realist. Fuck you, Dr. Freckles. We'll get through that topic just like that. And here's the next one. The U.S. economy isn't really a free market. It's a network of linked and crooked casinos. The games at each casino might be sort of honest, but the linkages are corrupt as hell. Dr. Freckles. What does, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this. Imagine a bunch of casinos. You've got the media casino, and you have the you know industrial casino, and you have basically the agricultural casino. And within each one of these casinos, there is a kind of quasi-free market, which means that they're going to try to convince you that you can play a game and you can win. But the things that connect the casinos together, I don't think they're remotely honest. This is where you're talking about the Federal Reserve and the banking system. So when people say to me, Dan, what do you mean by neo-Stalinism? What do you mean by neo-Stalinism? You're crazy when you say neo-Stalin. Here's what I mean. In the time of Stalin, you take the Sears and Roebuck catalog, you look at the price of shit, and then you try to use that to convert your ruble in ratios so you know how to price how many TVs 
for how many pigs, for how many pounds of sugar from communist Cuba, blah, blah, blah. You had your five-year plan, but you need to figure out how to price shit. Well, if the factory for, if the factory for sugar overproduces, listen, <laughs> it's communism. That's going to that's going <laughs> to that, that's going to happen. And it's also going to underproduce. And sometimes badly. Yeah, that's not a free market. We don't do it like that. That's not how the Federal Reserve works. They take the value of your work as a human being and that's the only price they regulate. But they regulate it in such a way that they have to control these linkages. So even if you want to say, well, I work in one of the casinos called the, the Healthcare Tech Blimp Doc and there's a lot of competition out there and a lot of people raising money. I don't give a fuck. You are in a casino. It seems like it might be an honest casino in terms of whatever crooked racket you're in. But the, but the giant pipes of financial support that enable your casino to work, that's not a free market. And I'm sorry if that's shocking to you. It's kind of like the Bank of America thing and the other corporations, because it wasn't just Bank of America, but all these corporations that just sprung up to support BLM and Antifa. If you think that was about getting that crooked scheme, and I'm going to call them a scheme, not a human, because I don't know who the president is at this point, but if you think it was about getting that scheme elected, that simulation, I think it was a little bit more, brothers and sisters, a little bit more. Um, I don't know. I need to, to burn through these topics or I will be defeated by the Time Lords. Let's see my time. Oh my God, it's almost two hours. Fuck, you guys are going to kill me. Oh, Dan, you tried to put too many topics in one podcast. Fuck you, I know I did. It's all make-believe money till someone expects to be paid. And here's what I'll say. I am no expert. If you followed my financial advice, I think you would you'd be just a giant failure. I am no expert. I have my own opinion in terms of trends of what's going on, especially at this point. But frankly, I think my greatest insight was in the middle of the last decade to recognize that things were just beginning to, to feel like they were past their like sell-by date. Like, and, and what I mean by that is like just the way society works. It's kind of like that little sign on the metro that kept telling me the, the bus schedule for next year or last year. I mean, stuff like that started happening. And I studied the collapse of the Soviet Union. So... I understood what decay looked like in that type of, you know, in those sociological terms. And so when I looked around Seattle, and it wasn't just Seattle, by the way, but when I looked around Seattle 10 years ago, right around the time of my divorce, um, 
it's like that day that all those kids were saying, we're going to go to the, we're going to go to the food trucks and, and, and it's going to be so fun. And I was thinking to myself, Dan, this is the moment where I wish you'd just become a programmer and never studied history because that way you don't see the dark side of it. But the reality is they were excited about the food trucks. A lot of the restaurants were shutting down. They were excited by the fact that Romans were taking apart Rome to build other things, that they just, they had to do other things. The system was beginning to eat itself. They were ecstatic about the fact that the system was, was eating itself. Um, and that applies to things like the home, you know, the whole, I've got a home and I bought it and it was 30K and now it's worth 4.2 million boblimtok dollars and maybe it is and maybe all 100,000 homes in that category are worth that amount which means every bond that's a derivative on top of it is worth whatever boblillions of billions of dollars if not trillions is worth it maybe if all of you ran for the door at the same time Who's going to buy your home? And this is the reality of all real markets. And this is why I'm saying that even though the housing flipping thing is one of these casinos, and even though it behaves like a pseudo free market, the Fed has a way to turn the knob up, up and down. And let's be honest, if he if they let that thing run red for another five years, who the fuck knows? That that whole thing could have just kept going and we could have had entire cities converted to be like, this is Home Depot City. Oh my god. No, Home Depot. <laughs> I'm trying to think of it right now. Oh my god. Like Home Depot, Home Home Depot, Home Depot, A and W, Pizza Hut City, yeah, or maybe but the Taco Bell on the end, or Taco something, right? With Asian Night, yeah, with Asian Night. Um, you have to meditate on what Jerome Powell's doing. I mean, I'm kind of like, I'm over time, I'm over two hours, but it is all make-believe money until people have a demand to convert it into something liquid. And you could say, well, Dan, that's no big deal because we have enough gold. We have plenty of gold and silver, in my opinion, to have a gold-silver economy. You do not need to convince Uncle Dan of that. We have plenty. That is not the issue. The issue is, right now, if you took the inflated assets of people in their 60s and 70s, whose lives are designed as super gliders to take them into the year, I'm going to be 150 years old in a super future where robots will inscrobulate me and I will live like a jumbo king. You know. Listen, I'm 53 years old 
Every day I'm above ground, I kind of think it's a blessing. Do I always act like it? No. No. And I doubt people at any kind of conscious age after 30 always act like it, but it's a blessing. I don't know if I expect to be as old as my dad, and he died kind of young, 68. I think he was 68. Um, I'm sure I'll get a message from my siblings. Errata, you need to correct it to yourself. He was 70 flow blab doobo blimp doc. And if they do that, then they have to send signals backwards, backwards in time. So we don't get a Mandela effect. Yeah, don't want one of those. It looks like, according to the press, the commercial real estate market is imploding. But it's hard to say what that means. Like if the Fed wanted to step in again, like it was, you know, what, um, 1997, 98, the Asian flu, uh, the, the smartest guys in the room, that big hedge fund thing. I always forget their name. I think, was Jim Rickards a part of them? I don't know. Anyways, they had their whole giant implodo moment on Wall Street, and, you know, the Fed swooped in to help out. Let's just leave it like that. I don't need to know how they launder money. By the way, those pipes between the casinos, those are means of, of laundering money. So when people say things like, well, they got to have the Ukraine war, Dan, because that's how they're laundering money, they don't, they haven't need a, they, they have not needed a Ukraine war to launder money since I would say probably 1913. They create wars with the money they launder. That is the actual causality. I think people get, have the wrong idea. And so if you want to believe the Ukraine war is real because it's a giant way for the Democratic Party to get special, special money, get over it. That ship sailed more than 100 years ago. Really, get, you got to get over that one. That one's, yeah. But Dan, they're not supposed. To, they're not supposed to be what, corrupt. They're not supposed to be corrupt, Dan. Yeah, I have really beaten you guys to death on topics. You say, Dan. Any more topics? I have one more, and I'm not going to try to dig in too deep. I have a link. Um, I have a quote from Dr. Freckles, and then we'll briefly discuss it, and then we'll close out the podcast, and then I'll beg for money in the way I typically do, in a way that hopefully is not threatening and reminds you that I know that, that the world's rough for everybody right now. Here's Dr. Freckles. Is Janet Yellen your friend? That's the question you have to answer. Do you remember when you went to Indian Lake? When you swam in the sea? You remember the mermaid plan to build a princess kingdom? You would be princesses. You'd rule over all of the lands. A Disney princess. 
Sometimes in what, 1950s, 1960s, 1920s, is she vampire? Who knows, she Janet Yellen and she's a Disney princess. She's a Disney princess, she really is. But is she, is she your friend? Because here's the thing, recently, recently, she's been talking about the weakness of the dollar. Not in ordinary, like we might have to, we might have to print, you know, might have to inflate a little or do some quantitative whatevers and maybe some operation twistoids and we might have to dump money overseas through one of the pipelines we have, which is really how we move money. And let's not talk about Belgium. Recently, Yellen has said, and this is why I'm, I'm kind of like just busting out the time on the podcast, way over time. Recently, Yellen has said the following. She has said that she believes that we should kind of expect a weak dollar to, to lose its share of what would be called the reserve currency status. Now you'd say, well, Dan, that's no big deal. Well, firstly, it is a big deal because that changes a lot of like futures markets in terms of things like the price of oil, in terms of like currency markets. If you don't think it's a big deal, you're crazy. If she concedes the idea that any portion of the global pie won't be mostly dollars, she's basically saying the dollar is going to be not just weak, but the dollar itself, in a sense, will be deflated, which means the effect will be, you know, inflation. And not just ordinary inflation. It could be really bad. So she's basically trying to prepare you. It's like when she said a few years ago, we've got to get used to running a high-pressure economy. What do you think she meant as Fed chair when she said, we've got to get used to running a high-pressure economy? It's another way of saying the same fucking bullshit. It's a different side of the same elephant. So, but here's the deal, and this is what's critical. Do you think she's your friend? Because if this is the worst, the worst scenario, if this is what is likely and probably the worst case of what's coming, then she's basically giving you warning and say, get ready, buy some gold, buy some silver. She really is doing a dog whistle on gold. If you're a gold fanatic and you don't think there's something worse than scrum talk, which also means you should donate to Uncle Blumby here if you're not a scrumbo. But the point is, um, if you're an optimist, if you're an optimist, really, I'm serious, I'm not an optimist. The Lord knows this. And, and I don't think I'm evil for that, but I do think if I'm wrong, I need to in the future admit I was wrong. I'm not going to start the Seventh-day Adventist because I was wrong. If you are an optimist, then what Janet Yellen just told you is buy gold, buy silver. Don't buy Bitcoin. You're crazy. You're crazy. She, she might have also just warned you that there could be geopolitical repercussions. I mean, this is the thing, folks. 
You know, when you think about it, what did Napoleon once say? There's only one thing you can't do with bayonets. And I know I've said this quote many times, but it's a good quote to understand realpolitik. There's only one thing you cannot do with bayonets, and that is sit on them. And what Napoleon meant was, if you rule by force, you can't stop. You can't slow down. In fact, you know, it's like Litvak's The Grand Strategy of the Roman Empire. I think one of his core theses, in a way, is this idea that when Rome gave up on the frontier, which means gave up on having legions to fight back other forces, when they gave up on that, that was the beginning of the end. Um, if you're going to have an empire, it's another way of saying something stupid. If you're going to have an empire, act like it. You know. If Janet Yellen is your friend, you should buy gold, silver. I still think, you know, my basic thesis is you should get out of the city if you can. A lot of cities, maybe not all cities, maybe not all neighborhoods, but a lot of places are not remotely prepared for what's coming. And you can talk about growing all the alfalfa sprouts you want to on your chicken, on your fucking kitchen sink. And I got eight chickens in the backyard. <laughs> you do right now. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it is just that. I still think if you have the resources to get a little piece of land or work with other people to get a piece of land, maybe you have to share it to do something like that and figure out an, an intentional way. And you don't have to become the Amish. You don't have to give up on technology. You just have to understand that if you want a computer to work at this point, you're probably going to have to buy two. There's the computer you have and the one you have is a backup. And hopefully, you have somebody there that knows how to work with electronics. But frankly, there are limits. And we don't even know what kind of bullshit kill switch crap is on those battleships that's parked on every fucking CPU and every memory chip that's made around the world. You don't know. I don't know. There could be... Switch on Whiskey Charlie Mike and do the Doppler switch thingy that does a scare scare screen and says F you, everybody is drongulated, it's the Grisatitude reset, get ready for punctus cricket pizza. Yeah. I don't know. Brothers and sisters, I don't know. It's like I said, that popping smoke, um, that popping smoke podcast haunts me because it was right before the COVID really, really kicked off, and yet I had a sense that something wasn't awry. It wasn't right. And frankly, there's been so much of this bullshit. It's like, it's hard to imagine why people just don't say to themselves, you know, and this is not just a reprise of Howard Beale from Network, that they just don't just ignore it. I'm not saying go to the balcony and scream at people. I'm as... Don't get mad. Find a place of peace and find a solution. I mean, anger's okay. If you want to be angry, I get it. When my sister Nancy was dying of cancer, I did so much marijuana that I could bury my rage under an ocean of weed. And arguably, that was one of the things that ruined my marriage. And yet, I got to be honest with you, it is what I needed to do. And yet, at the same time, I risked my marriage.
Um, if I could have found a way out of that rage, frankly, one of the ways that's helped me is also podcasting, which also means if you know five people listen from the NSA, who cares? Can you just bump up my budget, NSA? I want to pay rent. Bump up my, my secret control budget. I'm control X-Way Bravo 11650. I need more of a budget into my my Bravo whiskey account, and that way I can enscombiate myself with the Richter folk. Yeah. Is Janet Yellen your friend? That is a stupid fucking question. You're all you're dumb, Dan. Obviously, she's not my. Well, actually, I've met people who will say, I met Janet Yellen, and we exchanged emails, and she's on Facebook, so she's like my friend. It's like, I've known people like that. My point is, do you think she gives a fuck about you, your family, your dog, your cat, your parrot, your future, anything? Because if you believe she's your friend, then yeah, you should buy gold, buy silver, Prepare for not. I don't think it's going to be hyperinflation. It's going to. I think it's going to be supernova inflation. Prepare for the, just to go from zero to a hundred, and then the engine explodes, and there's just nothing at the grocery store in a lot of places. Prepare for stuff like that, and that's best case scenario. If you think Janet Yellen is your friend, but if she's not your friend, and this is my opinion, and I'm kind of sticking to my thesis, brothers and sisters. If she's not your friend, then this is disinformation. This is, this is a lesser catastrophe. And she is an ultimate disinformation agent. Here's your lesser catastrophe. The collapse of the dollar. I told you before, I thought it was the best case scenario. But the more I smelled the bullshit, the more it seemed like, nope, 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 nope. This is more the managed descent into something else. And and now the best case scenario looks like what I can only call total economic collapse. Which means that it's still a fuzzy event. It's still something they're managing, something they kind of predicted would occur based upon the wretched bullshit that they do. And they're still grifters. And they're still hoping that the chaos that will ensue, and it will ensue, will be their cover for their escape. And they can live in Antarctica safe zone. And it's not about methane or nitrous oxide or the permafrost. It's just about, you know, the money printing and where it ends. I still think Antarctica is their best bet. Any way you look at it, it's their best bet. It seems like it's been their emergency getaway probably for a long time. I, I, that explains the whole fucking treaty. Oh, but they're doing it for scientific love. They don't give a fuck about science. Get over it. Get over it. If Janet Yellen is your friend, then you should buy gold and silver. Do not buy Bitcoin. Don't buy any crypto. I'm sorry if you're into crypto. You can be pissed off at me. Fuck you. If you're into heavy, heavy paper that you would probably take you weeks to get out of, I'd recommend getting out of it now. If you think Janet Yellen is your friend, you can read this article for yourself. You think, oh, this is just subtle. It doesn't mean anything. No, she's telegraphed this. This is something she talked about. Like I said, we need to run a high pressure economy. 
That is Fed speak for heavy inflation. And keep in mind, they're going to hide it from you in a sense. I mean, I guess it's like, it's probably something they learned from the Nazis. How to how to give people portions of shit and make it seem like they're getting the same amount, but they're really not. And it's probably a Nazi technique. Oh yes, we studied <coughs> we studied this to the point of death. And believe me, you keep handling out these oh, this is an extra large. And brothers and sisters, I'm overweight, so I'm not I'm not advocating to eat too much food or more food or less food. Um, there are things you can do to hide inflation. You could argue that China, as I've mentioned in the past, is one of the ways they've hidden inflation. And, and, and in my view, you could call it the consumer side of of certainly certain aspects of, of American life. And frankly, in, until recently, I didn't realize, even up to the point of like building things like power plants, you know? You know, a lot of things come from factories in China now. It's not just TV sets. Um, is it, you know, are they taking over the automobile, automobile market? I don't know. I think they're trying to figure out a way to get their own people around from what it seems like. But honestly, they're a communist hellhole. So I have no fucking clue what's going on in China. I really don't. In fact, since the COVID started, China has seemed like a giant fucking question mark. <sighs> they hid inflation in China. I think they hid inflation in your home. You know, I have this Dr. Freckles quote recently where I said, you know, that, you know, remember that wheelbarrow of money you would need to buy a loaf of bread in Weimar, Germany? The quote was, you know, the wheelbarrow is your home. They hid the hyperinflation, not just the inflation. They hid a lot of the hyperinflation in your home and in crypto and in a lot of technology stocks. They hid it in a lot of places. Um, they hid it in China. Um... They hit it in so many places because they control those pipelines. Yeah, Dan, it's still a, it seems like a free market because the casino is a kind of absurd simulation within a simulation. I mean, actually, you think about Vegas. Vegas is a lot like um, the Fibonacci model. If you can imagine a, a curve, but a curved structure like the shell of a snail as it curves around. And imagine that the biggest part of that structure is the sort of United States system. And underneath that is Las Vegas. And underneath that is any individual casino. And underneath that is any individual game. And that really is the United States economy at this point. It, it, is, a, it is kind of like a managed system of rackets. And people want to pretend, well, it's free markets and there's a competition of ideas. Not really. Not, not when you have Star Wars 8012, 85 million point six twelve. Not when you have so many Star Wars now that you have to use scientific notation. No. No, something's wrong. Um, but if Janet Yellen is your friend, then the thing that is wrong is the dollar. And that means that the dollar is finally about going, you know, about to go kaput. And guess what? This has happened throughout human history. 
fiat currencies go kaput, it is not the end of the world. And if you live in a neighborhood where people can keep their logic and trade in silver and gold, life could even get better in some ways. I mean, this is the thing. If this is the right kind of scenario, total economic collapse, it also means that a lot of communities have an opportunity to reinvent themselves, even in cities. You know, I don't, I know I complain about Seattle, but nothing prevents Seattle from reinventing itself if it's willing to remember one simple fact that it lives in that ecosystem that feeds the Puget Sound and that those orca and those dolphin and those fish, all of those fish live in. And if people in that area, not everybody, but enough people can come to that perspective, then I think the Puget Sound can heal and I think Seattle can heal and it can be a rocking place again. But it has to be a free place. It has to be a place where if you want to start a business, if you want to solve a problem, if you want to get things done, it's voluntary. It's choice. And it is only the bastard that acts like a bully that is ridiculed, attacked, and I don't know, maybe does end up being fed to the orca people of Sector Quadrant 45-Z. Yeah, and I'm way over time. I'm like, holy shit, almost two and a half hours here soon. And I've done this before on my podcast. It's just that I get worried. It's kind of like, I'm on Spotify. I'm not paying them any money. I don't know when they're going to kick me off or if they ever will. I don't know if there's a Spotify agent who's paid to basically listen. And I think I see a spider doing some spider bullshit. It's disturbing to me. Oh, sorry, spider. I'm just not into your bullshit right now. Um... I don't know. I'm on Spotify for free. I have podcasts I'm posting to YouTube for free. YouTube has already given me one strike. And frankly, I'm sure they're looking at all my podcasts and just deciding what, when they're going to spring it. Because all of them probably are not within their boundaries of what YouTube thinks a person is allowed to think. So let's just get that out of the fucking way. And, and I got to tell you, this is going to sound paranoid, but going back to 2011, when I first started trying to do this sort of thing, to get on the internet, to blog, and even to some extent to podcast, I faced a lot of barriers that did not make any sense. And, and there were certain points where I said to myself, well, Dan, this is just normal. This is how things work. This is normal. This is ordinary. This is the way the world works. You need to get over it and get over yourself. But, on, but in looking back in retrospect, I wonder. And by the way, it's not because I think I'm special. Oh my God. I studied the Soviet period. None of the people in East Germany who were being spied on by their neighbors probably felt special in any nice way at all. It's more like this is happening. And I think it's happening in the United States to millions of people. And a lot of people don't notice it because, frankly, they stay in the lane. You know? If you watch that show, Westworld, I think it's in season three 
where they got the supercomputer Rehoboam that basically manages the world in some super process like that show Zeitgeist said would happen one day and we would all be happy wrote with Rehoboam. That's the Zeitgeist fucking documentary. That The Zeitgeist documentary should be watched along with season three of Westworld. Let's just say that. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't believe it's the end of the world, but I do believe that the most likely outcome is the level to which the complexity has been built up, not just financially. Because by the way, I've said this before, I'll say it again. The worst kind of debt isn't really the money debt. It seems like it now, but you just don't understand. The worst debt is the physical infrastructure and resources and the misallocation you know, I think James Howard Kunstler once said that we might look back and see suburbia as like the biggest, and I'm paraphrasing, um, misallocation of human resources in history. And I think he's probably right about that. Um, and it's one of those things. It's like a lot of the ways we do nuclear energy. If there is a good way to do nuclear energy, I don't think we're doing it that way. And a lot of the evidence points to, well, the way we do it, it gives us weapons. And that, I think, gets closer to the truth. So it's very mysterious to me, brothers and sisters. It's very, I'm sorry, I should say my mouth is dry and I've run out of water, but I probably need to wrap this up. So I'm going to try to do a super guabulosis to my mouth. It's mysterious to me. It is absolutely mysterious. It is completely stultifyingly, confusingly, crazily mysterious to me. I don't understand it. On one level, I'd say to myself as a Christian, all of this stuff in the cartoon world of the end times, which is the one we should all ignore. Because frankly, my view about prophecy may be a little different from yours. But in a lot of ways, my view about prophecy isn't as much about a priori as like a posteriori, more like, okay, after you're in the situation you're in, what does prophecy tell you? It tells you you're going to be here and it kind of reifies your faith. That's a lot of my view of prophecy. The reason is because of what Christ says about the thief in the night. It's not to say that we can't have intuitions. And I think there's evidence in the, in the New Testament and the Old that we should all be prophets in a sense and we should all have those intuitions and try to trust them in rational ways. But I cannot, I am not a Christian with enough knowledge to tell anybody where we are at in the game. I just don't feel comfortable. In 2019, I felt comfortable th saying, yeah, fuck Fukuyama, history is unstuck, this is the great discontinuity, hold on for the ride. In 2019, I felt comfortable saying that. But I also felt comfortable telling you that in the great discontinuity, bad, but also good things can happen. You know, I, that hang lighter thought experiment, I don't always tell it the right way. There are, there are these good islands that are just over the cliff. 
if you're just that fucking lucky. There are. It's not as it's not binary. It's a distributed random space. And so if you say to yourself, well, Dan, you said if I fall off the cliff, I die and it's over. No, it's not that simple. You might be lucky. But the reality is, barring luck, there are a lot of obstacles that we're facing right now that very few people are willing to confront. In my opinion. Um, and I do not think Janet Yellen to wrap this all up somehow in two and a half hours, I do not believe Janet Yellen is my friend. I don't believe Janet Yellen is your friend. And I don't believe they get any extra sauce out of scaring people about the dollar unless it's about some weird head fund thingy do, thing thingamadoodle where somebody's gonna like take an arbitrage on a dollar that is temporarily crashing which will later become strong again because they know that'll happen too. Maybe. It could be it could be financial nonsense. It could be. They do all kinds of crooked shit with the Fed. But I don't I don't see any upside in her um in her scaring people about the dollar at all. None. It it creates all kinds of problems. It creates huge problems ultimately for payment in a lot of ways. Um and you can say, well, they'll just they'll print a platinum coin worth a trillion dollars. And if you can hear the dogs barking, they're telling me to end it. And I'm going to try to end it. But um, they're kind of funny, though. The way they bark. I'm the, they play a game. I call it fencing, where they go back and forth on the fence. Because one dog's on the other side of the fence, and they're on one side. And the whole thing is, I'll run down to this end of the fence. And then you run down, and I'm sure it's not original. Like, if you had a dog, you would you would see that. And I hope the audio comes through, because I do love the dogs, and I need to, I need to end the podcast. I don't believe Janet Yellen's my friend. I don't believe Janet Yellen is your friend. I do think we're living in a kind of mirage economy at this point. And so it's sort of difficult for me to say to myself, in this mirage economy, like what what would you do? What do you do? Do you invest in something? What do you invest in? Because a lot of the shit we're looking at right now ain't really there. That's the problem. I did a podcast a few years ago where I called it um, the Schrodinger's economy. It's like the cat, the cat in the box. Is it alive? Is it dead? Did that little vial of gas open up and kill that poor little kitty cat? How crooked are Danish scientists? Yeah. That's what the dogs are barking at. Some Danish people are coming by to sell scrobzoid. And the dogs know. They know the outlanders, the freaks. They keep away the monsters from the hills. So when the Danes come into town, we keep them away with dogs. It's very poignant. Um, she's not my friend. She's not your friend. She's not our friend. So if she's telling us the dollar's going to get weaker, I think what she's really saying in Sovietological terms is that it's worse. That's my opinion. And I'm sorry. I know a lot of people say, well, Dan, holy shit, does it still mean... Yeah, 
if you're an optimist, I've said this, frankly, I've been very consistent on this since 2015. If you're an optimist, if you just know that it could be total economic collapse and that the distance we fall will be related to the distance we rose, if you can understand that and you're an optimist, then having gold and silver makes sense. But also having neighbors that keep their shit together makes sense. You know, and knowing how to purify water. It's like, you know, AJ, I hope he's listening and shout out to AJ in Florida. But that's one of the reasons why AJ and I did those podcasts back in 2019 when he and I and others, we all started getting the heebie-jeebies. Holy fuck, something weird's coming. You know, at first... In early 2019, I called it the screw belief because frankly, I thought it was just going to be a giant financial grombazoid, super great financial crisis. Holy schmoly, if we don't write a giant check to the drombazoids, we're going to end up with rongazoids in the streets with armored brugas shooting blazers and whatever. In February of 2019, and it's in my archives, and maybe it's on Spotify too. In February 2019, I did a podcast called The Screwbilly. And again, a screwbilly is not a jubilee. A screwbilly is like a jubilee for rich people. They get taken care of. They went to the casino. They played at the casino. That's why I said these casinos that are connected, they're kind of like a free market. They're not really, though. And so if you're one of the chosen few, and this is not an issue of anti-Semitism, this is about people in positions of power, and really it's about insiders versus outsiders, which by the way is arbitrary, and, and whether you're an insider or an outsider, I don't know how to break it to you, you're probably not heading to the condo in Antarctica. You know, oh my God, Dan, I'm an insider. There's going to be a reset, and they're going to have a palace in Switzerland, and I'm going to live like a princess. Yeah. No, no, Disney Queen. That's not, that's not for you. Not for you. And it never was. And, and maybe Disney was literally the ultimate psyop, too. Like, it was just a giant fraud. And its purposes were other purposes. And if you meditate on how big Disney is, then imagine what it could hide. You're, oh my God, Dan, the Disney's, they won't sue me. Why would they sue me? This is an opinion. I don't like the company. Lots of old crazy people don't like things. If they're going to sue Uncle Dan over shit like that, then that means it's over anyways. And they might as well take me to the woods and let the coyotes eat me. Maybe I'll end the podcast. There we go. I'm just going to try to end it this there. I don't think Janet Yellen's my friend. I don't think Janet Yellen is your friend. I don't think Janet Yellen is our friend. I believe what she is telegraphing in Sovietological terms is a, a managed process. If you want to understand what a soft landing is, it's it's basically Janet Yellen using terms like, you know, we need to run a, what, overheated, superheated, high-pressure economy. The dollar might lose some of its, you know, ownership of whatever. I think she's managing 
the way that a PR person would the descent into hell of the U.S. dollar. And that is the best case scenario. So you'd say, well, Dan, isn't that still your collapse of the dollar? It is, but, but. I think she's telegraphing something worse. I, 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 I honestly don't think she's our friend. So if she's telling us that this is basically dollar doomsday, then in my opinion, it is my simple heuristic, it's worse. Next, th that's the last of the topics. And you say to yourself, Dan, you just turned Janet Yellen into not being my friend. You spoke for more than two hours when you could have done 18 separate Blimtalk podcasts over 17 separate hours begging for money, asking for coinages, saying, listen, brother, sister, if you have money out there, I owe rent, I owe love, I owe the seeker of the ancient Uinta Mountains who's hunting my certain type of strumbo flesh and seeking after my Jurgen grease. Yeah, maybe. Here's... Here's the deal. Um, times are tough, and there's probably people in your life that could use help. And I know I've probably said that more than once in the last couple hours. And if it sounds like a Jerry Lewis marathon, therapy, therathon, whatever, um, telethon, here's the deal. There's probably people in your life that can use help. There's probably people in your life that could use support. So before you ever send me money, please help them out first. I would probably recommend having food set aside that is going to stay good for a few years if you're an optimist. If you're an optimist, you might even want to get some seeds that are non-GMO and some other types of equipment that could possibly introduce nutrients back into your soil. Because I honestly don't know what's going on with the sky, brothers and sisters, but it doesn't look good. And from the perspective of someone who knows that Satan has many names, let's just agree that whatever's being written in the sky, it's not Jesus. Okay? So there are things you can do, and do those things if you have the money, before you give me money. Um... If you're setting aside food for yourself and your family, as I say so often and I beat a dead horse, make sure you set aside money for your pet, if you have a dog or a cat. Um, it sounds weird, but if you have a farm, having a cat is brilliant, especially if you're harvesting stuff that's going to become like, I don't know, grains that might end up turning into who knows what, bread. The point is, if you're going to be having carbs, or frankly, a lot of other things on your farm, having cats around makes a lot of sense. Um, keeps the rabbits away. But dogs do too. And in a lot of ways, dogs and cats work together. You know, as long as they get along. And that's, a, that's its own special tale. Really, it's dogs versus vampires, right? Dogs versus vampires. So if you're going to set aside food for yourself, think about your dog. By the way, that's if you're an optimist too. Okay, if you're an optimist, if you think Janet Yellen is your friend, she's basically telegraphing to you that you need to get used to some, maybe some big inflation. 
that's going to come down the pipeline, not in any predictable way, and worst case scenario where the dollar could end up becoming worthless. And they'll, and they'll give you something else. And maybe they will give you the central bank digital currency. The reason why I'm giving you this scenario, brothers and sisters, isn't because I believe that is what's going to happen. It is because I am willing to suspend disbelief and say, Janet Yellen is my friend. So there are things you can do right now. But there's one thing you can do in the mirage economy, because sometimes you knock on a door and it's really there is try to be happy. It's not the end of the world. In a lot of ways, if you're an optimist, there's this other new world that could be just over the horizon if people can live free. There's, there's a reason why land of the free, home of the brave, go together. Because it's not easy to live free. It's not easy to respect everybody. It's not easy to live with other people who are different. It's not easy to exist in this world sometimes because people butt up against each other. Humans are in a causality machine and we are in a never-ending you know, popcorn machine and we end up bumping up against each other over and over again. It just happens. So, so make sure you take care of your own food, your kids, and you have a dog or cat. Take care of them too, because it might not be the end of the world, but you might need to have some extra food on hand. Um, and I'm trying to be an optimist here, okay? Janet Yellen is our friend. I'll be an optimist. Um... And I do recommend gold and silver, but I don't really think you should think of it as an investment. I think you need to think of it as somehow, some way, you're going to keep some of your money from just disappearing. So I'm not sure you should just source, well, look at it compared to the dollar. You should look at it compared to other currencies too. I mean, it's not as simple as that. I got to say, it's a crooked, crooked, crooked casino you find yourself in. So don't pretend that, the, that the, any kind of reality especially given the amount of silver, for example, that technology consumes, don't pretend any reality has ever been applied to the silver market, ever. It hasn't. I don't have to be an economist or a financial expert to understand, given all the cell phones and laptops and solar panels and all the other shit that depends upon silver being chewed up and going into mostly... Um, going into, you know, landfills. Yeah. So. That's a long-winded way of saying take care of Fido. Take care of mittens. Mittens will keep the rats away from the grain. Fido will keep the, the coyote and the grombo rat and the wolf and the cygnet and the giant bugbear. Fido will fight off, the, fight off the 17 orc armies. Along with, you know, mittens. So take care of them too. And as I try to say, and I know I'm already way over time, so I've wasted your day. But as I try to say, as the wind blows through the window, 
like I'm on the, the Meadow Time special place of magical Beethoven symphonies that sound like a summertime day when you can still fall in love and your heart feels like a pink and blue flame. Yeah, that's bullshit. Anyways, that's total bullshit. Um, I need money to pay rent right now. But I also have some donors who've given me so much I feel like a dick to even ask anybody like them to do it. And yet, I gotta figure out a way to find donors who are new, who might want to support. But honestly, I never expected to beg for huge amounts. Frankly, right now my budget is a thousand bucks. If I can come up with a thousand bucks a month, I can make it work. It's, it's probably not technically enough if I lose the recorder or I have to pay another like, hey, you want to keep your blog on Bluehost with the 17 gods of the proletarian patricial patriarchal freaking, you know, guards of the ancient Roman emperors? Well, sure, that sounds nice. Pay up, buddy. Because who knows, if this stupid game keeps going on, this is what I'll tell you. I was right about the internet, and it will get just more and more crooked. It's going to get worse. It isn't going to get better. So if you're saying to yourself, well, I'll just build an extra... The re One of the reasons why I was so excited about JS8 Call, and I know I'm way, way, way over time, but I had a few links in here that are still in my blog, so if you search for JS8, you'll probably find them. But the reason why I wanted to talk about it and the reason why I was interested in it isn't because I'm a huge radio geek, but because I could recognize the value of low bandwidth communication over the horizon. Okay? Yeah, it's not perfect. You get a message from Antarctica, or it's not perfect with my little loop antenna and my basic little receiver. But the reality is you could use a CB radio to send digital information from A to B using JS8 call. And there are other people doing other types of encoding and other types of strategies and other technologies, all of which are shortwave, all of which are over the horizon. Meaning, if a fiber network goes down, if the power station goes down, it doesn't really matter. If any two or more nodes are active, you have a network. Yeah, it's low, but Dan, it's so low bandwidth, but it's perfectly good for text messaging. And frankly, I think it's the perfect answer. It has a, kind of a natural encryption built in, you know, if all things being equal, you can make sure that only certain people in geographical areas can even, even pick you up, you know. Anywho. So I think, for one, get into JS8 Call, get yourself some kind of a radio that supports it with upper and lower sideband selectors. Um, start using the CB radio to do it, and then start building networks nearby. It's a technology. All you need is the antenna, the CB radio, the connectors for the computer, and the software. And yeah, some of that's a little rinky-dink, you know, there's another quote from Dr. Freckles we may not have covered, but I think we did. I hope we did. Ham radio world is not like cell phone world, okay? 
you would think things are rationalized and a microphone is a microphone and you know oh i've got a microphone from a dx well it doesn't matter because you know people in the world of radio are not crazy and therefore they do things like they do everywhere else no ham radio world is crazy and almost every kind of radio has its own little idiosyncrasies even though in theory what they are doing with radio transmission is a homogenous thing, just like building the optimal car or anything else, or the, or the best flat screen TV. The reason why a lot of flat screen TVs end up looking the same is because that's kind of how technology trends given the situation. So why in the world of shortwave do you have all these fucking rinky-dink differences between all these fucking radios to include their onboard software or how you would access it or how you would use it? And I know I'm just ranting on people who say, Dan, you're beating up on hams. No. In a way, yes. In a way, but not really. What I'm saying is you deserve more. We all deserve more. If all I want to do is use CB to send low power signals 50 miles away and I want to have that set up and I put the effort into making it work and I have line of sight, if that's what I want to be able to do to talk to some dude because I have a low, low bandwidth desire to interact with Bo Blimp Doc. Like what if I want to live on Mountain X-Ray? Somewhere, somewhere up in the winters where I can drift off to sleep and find myself a place to live with the angels. I could travel with the cougar princess and we could find ourselves a meadow. We could have ourselves a cougar baby. We could have ourselves a wolf den. We could live like miracle children up in the magical nature. Yeah, we could. Um, we could do that. The reality is, if any of you were like bazillionaires and you were listening and said to yourself, Dan, I've already had all the hookers and cocaine and all the various soirees and I've been to Monte Carlo, and I've played the Great Wheel, and I've found nothing but boredom and regret, and even though I find you saccharine and upsetting, you are intriguing. Here's a bazillion fucking monies. If somebody wanted to donate a lot of money, I'd take it, because I frankly need to pay rent. Um, and I know I'm begging a little bit hard here on this podcast, but... I just, I don't know what to say. Um, I had a fantasy in 2019, and I thought I had evidence that I would reach a point where I could pull in enough money to pay rent and to be able to buy some tech. I didn't really give a shit about health insurance because folks, yeah, oh, but Dan, what about, what about my broken arm? If I take all the social security and all the taxes and all the money that's been extracted from me over the years, plus, frankly, whatever fuck experiments they did with anthrax shots, which I basically, I guess if I wanted to, I could participate in some type of class action bullshit, but I'm not gonna. And the same fact about I've never used the fucking housing bullshit. Yeah, I think that between all that, they owed me a fixing of my fucking left humerus.
But that doesn't mean I was going to get it. You know, that's where I'll end this too, maybe. Back in 2016, and really it was 2017, in the spring of 2017, there was this uproar, this fucking bullshit uproar over people getting reparations. But these were anarchists saying, I want my tax money back. I want my money you stole back. And the thing I was trying to explain to them is you have to understand it like upside down, it's a wonderful life. Like, it's like he's saying, but your money's not there, and it's not there, and it's not there. It's not. It's not anywhere. It does not exist. It is Schrodinger's economy, brothers and sisters. If you believe Janet Yellen is your friend, and Krugman is right sometimes, then maybe the economy is infinitely valuable and we're just going through a little gully. It's just a gully. We might have to do CBDCs and DVDs and double entries. We might have to do a lot of stuff you'd find on Pornhub or the Fed page. Um, yeah, Operation Twist, boy, that was a movie, wasn't it? But it'll be okay because the economy has infinite value. Ergo, you can write a giant check saying infinity and beyond if you're an optimist. And so if you're one of those people and you have a pile of cocaine money and you think I'm some type of old jackass, then your best strategy is to send me your money. But if you don't have the cash, that's okay too. I'm, a, I'm done begging um, I love doing this. I always hoped it would work out. But the reality is, I'm not special. I might be unique, and for some of you, I might be interesting enough that you want to send me some cash, but none of us are that special. And in terms of the forces of history, I wish I was wrong, but I think that some of these things coming just will emphasize how not special any of us are. It's not to say that God doesn't love us. God loves us. But the thing is, he loves us all equally. He doesn't really love some... Well, you know, people debate that. Like, doesn't he love some people more than others? I don't think so. I think the truth of the cross is, is once you find that faith and you follow that path, he loves everybody the same. Um, that's the way I understand it, but I could be wrong. It's one of the reasons why the indulgences were so crooked, really. Because in, a, in some ways, an indulgence was a way of saying you could buy the Lord's love. And no, I think there's plenty of biblical stuff in the, in the New and the Old Testament that testifies that that's just not the case. Um, so anywho, if you're an optimist, you can send me money. Cocaine money, hooker money, jet money, rocket money. If you want me to build the time machine, I can explain it to you. I don't think I should talk about it on the podcast any longer because I've given away so many breadcrumbs that if I am right, there's a whole bunch of physics in terms of quantum physics that, that might be kind of wrong and potentially kind of dangerous. Like if I'm right, quantum computers themselves might be... Um, causality matrix disruptors and I just gave away too much but run the running of one might introduce such a trailing edge of what we call the present 
and, and therefore unresolved, that you would have a lot of spooky phenomena. Um, and I don't mean the financial mirage economy. I was using the mirage as a metaphor for the kind of fakery that's going on right now. No, I mean like literally things would just kind of like be there and not be there at the same time. And, and that would be what superposition is. But instead of it being about different universes, it's really about one universe really trying to find resolution in the present and it just can't be found. So yeah, who knows what quantum computers or that big super collider or a lot of other crooked shit they do does. They'll say it does this. We're studying the Blomback particle. You know, if they say they're studying the Blomback particle, I'll tell you they're studying the, the Zuber particle. My point is they're not doing what they're saying. I don't believe it. I used to want to believe it, but isn't, isn't anything sacred? Not when it involves man. Not really. Not really. I mean, when I was raised as a Catholic in that whole Roman ideology of some things are sacred, and that's what keeps kings and queens in power, is the old Roman glory. But ultimately, they'll say, or, or in pagan glory, the point is kings and queens have lots of ways of getting their culture to say they're okay. But the point is, ultimately, you know, they're in charge. That's the whole thing. So just don't, don't question it. I don't know. Here's the point, though. If you have, like, cocaine money, money from the desert, if you hunted some type of beast called the triplozoid, and now it seeks after the flesh of Sector 49, and there is a poignant sadness because that flesh has been torn apart by all the gumbo creatures of Quadrant 89.Z, and there is nothing but horror in Boblimtok as the ancient, ancient mistress maidens meditate upon a somber dark dread. So yeah, donate if you can. You don't have to. I have some donors who've been way too generous. Beyond that, do the best you can to be happy. I'm trying to. I'm poor and I probably need to find some type of job and I am trying to find some type of job in the most meager and, and absurdly stupid and incompetent way possible. But I do have a goal of getting some type of work. But the fact is, what else are we going to do? If we look into this world and we say to ourselves, Dan, why isn't there a magical button I push and everything's going to be okay? And here's my advice. When I was 20 years old, I read a book. It was the Confessions of St. Augustine. And you'd say to yourself, well, what's so special about some type of Catholic Christian sainitude? Listen. St. Augustine lived during the period that you could call the collapse of the Western Roman Empire. He lived during the period that the Western Roman Empire fell apart. The world he was born into seemed quasi-stable and everything kind of worked and nobody should fucking complain because everything's okay and it's always going to be okay. And St. Augustine, as an adult found himself in a world where the Western Roman Empire was falling apart. And yes, yes, 
they adopted Christianity and they managed the barbarians for a while. But the reality is that world was in many, many ways over. Add to that reading another book by Barbara Tuckman called The Distant Mirror, and I've been haunted by both those and other books. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. There's this sort of sense that we're going to have to accept the possibility that unless there is a revolution in technology, and I don't mean Toyota saying in the year 2027, Boglimtok, no. I mean something that's going to happen and do what technology does, just like the candle to the light bulb. We are going to need something like that. That would be necessary. Because barring that, it's hard to imagine how all of these schemes work out. Because however you feel about it, okay, in the great casino in the sky called the Death Star, on some level, we're, we are all participating voluntarily. I mean, you know, it's not like we're really just going out there into the streets and doing anything. We're not. So the question is, how do all these casinos cancel out? If it's just the collapse of an empire, if it's just this, just that. Needless to say, I keep trying to close out. I hope you, I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday. It's hard to say what the future holds. Aliens could land and give us tubo technology. We could find ourselves in a future filled with donuts made of love. It's hard to say. A lot of things could and might and would and will and might and shouldn't and shan't happen. We don't know. The Lord knows. We as humans don't know. If you listen to my podcast, you know that I've never been a little sparkly little lily. It's not like I told you guys saying, listen, we're in the great discontinuity and all it means is it's going to be disco. I, I didn't say silly stuff like that. Okay. Even though one hopes disco has a comeback, because it should, for what's coming, we're going to need a lot of disco. But it's not the end of the world. And people should understand the difference. And if, if life becomes frantically crazy in, in weird ways for a while, I think a lot of people will adapt. And I think life will go on. And yeah, there could be bad things, which are really not worth thinking about at this point, to be honest with you. Because you don't control them and I don't control them. And in terms of what will happen if you're an atheist, it's just going to happen. Or it's not. It's like I've been telling my, my listeners a little bit, if you're new. Recently I've been saying things like, I'll go to a mental institution next year if I'm wrong. I, I don't know that I'm going to do something that drastic. But what I will do is I'll admit I was wrong. And I'll try to like maybe see the world in a different way and learn from it. That is the truth. If we're in the year 20, let's say we reach the year 2025 and everything is sparkly and they've landed people on the moon or they're getting ready to in 2025, 
with a moon mission, but they went around the moon and the Russians proved it with their laser scope and everybody's happy about the X-ray sun and they're going to travel to a nearby star and they're going to fall in love with an alien bar and they're going to take an architect robot with them and they're going to figure out a way to build pyramids out of used cars. Maybe there'll be that, all that, in the year 2025. And if he said to me, Dan, what will you do? Will you go to an institution? No. I'll admit I was wrong. And I'll try to learn from it. I don't believe any of that bullshit's coming. I don't believe the reset's coming. I don't believe that bullshit's coming. I do believe it's going to be fucking crazy. And it's possible. I flip a coin. Could it be the end times? Well, the reason why I shudder is because I am not so wise to know and I dare not say in the presence of the Lord. Period. I don't know. I flip a coin sometimes because that is the honest answer. As somebody at my knowledge level, I'll take a, I'll take a quarter and say, okay, heads or tails. Because a lot of things feel like a setup. A lot of things feel like a stage. A lot of things feel like some world is being built for somebody else. What does Dr. Freckles say about a PSYOP? Its magnitude, its scale, its force must match the thing it's going to hide. There are many kinds of fuzzy events. Comets are not one, but earthquakes are... Volcanic eruptions, like a huge caldera, that would fuck up your day. What if a couple went off? Something like the collapse of the dollar is a fuzzy event. I've talked about the methane bomb. You guys can mock me. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your cheeseburgers, so you should just get over that right now. Um, but that would be a fuzzy event, the clathrate gun. It's a, it has tipping points. Once you reach them... It's over, and in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter how you get there. It doesn't matter how you reach the tipping point. Let me ask you, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Clathrate Gun. No. Once the permafrost is in collapse, there is a biological process ongoing that is going to produce things that your, your cars and your trucks and your tanks and your airplanes and your farts are just never going to fucking keep up with. It's geometric. It's nonlinear. Those little critters will love and fuck and reproduce until some people say we'll look like Venus. I don't think that's going to happen. But could we reach a point like where throughout most of history Earth has been, and which is called hothouse Earth, where much of the Earth would be technically, because of wet bulb conditions, uninhabitable? Yeah. Is that the end of the world? No. Would that be way worse than the collapse of the economy? Yes. Because baked into that type of calamity is everything else. It's, it's what's called subsumption. So if anyone, Dan, are you saying those two things will happen at the same time? No, it's not really that simple. One thing logically implies the other. Like, you're not going to have anyone's currency surviving um, a rapid punctuated equilibrium change in the Earth's climate. Even if on the other side there are still people it's not remotely going to be the same world. That is a calamity worse than nuclear war. And that's a calamity where you have to ask yourself, if that type of punctuated event occurs, how would people live?
Me, personally, I did a podcast. I got my demon exercised. If it's that, you can meditate. If you think it's a joke, it's okay. It is, it is rational and reasonable to both use satire and to accept it and to try to think logically and do that too and to sort of just have a converse of ideas. We don't all have to agree. That's why I said, maybe Janet Yellen is your friend and she's given you a clue. And if you take the clue, you'll get the gold, the silver, the hookers, the jet skis. You'll have the underwater aqua paradise with your underwear model named Darla McGee. And she has triple D's and Ruben style hair. Yeah, I'll leave it there. You guys have a great rest of your Sunday. This podcast has gone on too long.